are nightmarish nerds that are weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad nostalgic dream that you can't wake from. This is the Nerds of Your Nightmare podcast, where we combine the nerds of nostalgia and nightmare junkhead to enhance your overall listening experience. Bravo. There we go, guys. Well, my name is Greg D. <laughs> I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're sampling a variety of flavors as we delve into Edgar Wright's tasty Cornetto trilogy, as well as talking his latest release, Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to finish everything off by talking about our favorite movie soundtracks but if you are normally listening to us as uh, nerds of nostalgia mm-hmm. welcome mm-hmm. welcome to fandom yeah so if you're coming to us from pod tyrant as part of the pod tyrant podcast network let us make sure you are checking out some of the fantastic podcasts through phantom podcast i'll open your coronetto hole there it is. wait anyway to insert that there and of course you're if you're coming to us as nightmare junkhead mm-hmm. from the phantom podcast network Welcome. <laughs> Please check out Nerds of Nostalgia and all the great podcasts over at Pod Tyrant. We're coming to you live from downtown Nerd Holla. Right? It's a kind of an accepted episode, if you yeah. will, just in terms of one on the other. Well, this is actually coming because, unfortunately, we had planned on doing a two-part episode. Mm-hmm. One with Nightmare Junkhead, the other with Nerds of Nostalgia. <laughs> and Due to technical difficulties. Indeed. <laughs> we had a chance to combine these. I'm actually glad we did because mm-hmm. the original concept was uh, Nightmare with a us, mm-hmm. nerds with a guest and in this case we get to kind of combine it all into one one big like overstuffed episode the Cronenberg if you will <laughs> and you know since we're promoting podcasts you know our next guest actually you've heard him on Nightmare Junket he was part of our Monster Squad commentary episode mm-hmm. and if you've uh, listened to Nerds of Nostalgia he's a you know anchor of our lives episodes he's the guy that comes in and like mentions movies none of us <laughs> right. have ever heard uh, please welcome back from the Phantom Zone podcast Adrian Torres. Well, thanks for having me, guys. And usually it's for good reason that most of the movies have, have not been heard that, that I may mention. For the greater good. Yes, <laughs> for the greater good, as it oh, were. Very nice. Well, I don't uh, know. I don't know. They, they'd probably kick me out of that town. I did watch Max 1 and 2 last week. So Ah, see? you got to be careful. Yes. Plus, I know you've uh, been able to pull out a mean human statue every now and again. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, I choose like the primary colors, basically. You know, I don't go I don't go off into any gold or, or silver nonsense. No. Right. You're not getting Exactly. You're practical. There you go. We appreciate that. So, <laughs> uh, if you are in the Kansas City area, before we uh, actually dive into the Cornetto trilogy here, uh, if you're in the Kansas City area, the Kansas City Horror Club, I believe, has a lot of good stuff coming up here. Is that correct? Yes, yes, we do. Actually, um, starting off with the third Friday of every month, Horror Club goes over and takes over Tapcade, and we bring you a really cool horror movie. It's basically it's Horror Movie Night at Tapcade, sponsored by the Kansas City Horror Club. Um, the first one we showed was Event Horizon. And it was so good looking on the big screen. There's a reason it won yeah. the 1997 bracket <laughs> in the Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. Mm-hmm. And those people who haven't seen it before, to see it on the big screen for the first time, wonderful. Um, and this month we're coming up is High Tension, or if you're French, C'est la bon jambon. We have Hot Tension. <laughs> also known as, I believe, Switchblade Romance? Yeah, that's one mm-hmm. of the, the other names for it. So this particular film, no, Event Horizon, <laughs> it's a great space horror flick. Mm-hmm. Yes. How would you describe High Tension, Hot Tension, Switchblade Romance? It's, I, I kind of, in a way, say that it's a throwback at times. Would you agree? It's definitely like almost in the slasher vein, the old um, yeah. 70s slasher, I spit on your grave type type. And mixed with the elements of Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. are, are definitely in there in the stocking. And then a big twist. 
And this is part of the whole French extreme movement that came out mm-hmm. in the 2000s. And like martyrs and, yeah. Inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Some very intense, yeah. super crazy, yeah. chaotic flicks. And you mentioned that. <laughs> there's going to be some upset people exactly. walking out of the oh, screening, yeah. Yeah. definitely. So no spoilers. There's, there's there's even upset people who love the movie. Mm-hmm. That, it's just one of those films. There's people who are like, oh, I love it, and then I just get mad. And you're it, like, what? You still love it? It'll so. feel right. some interesting conversation. Exactly. And that's exactly. going to happen on July uh, 21st. Yes, at 10, 10.30 p.m. Yep. Do, and so I, I apologize for asking, but do you know if it is the is it the rated or unrated? I believe it's the unrated. There we go. That's that. that it, it's one of those movies that you want that extra that little extra gore. Because I mean, why not? Right? Exactly. Yeah, it makes a difference. Yeah, I think it's the unrated one, so <laughs> it should be a good time. And then on September 30th, we're showing the Monster Squad and the original Halloween at the drive-in at the I-70 drive-in, and there's going to be a horror club swap and shop before this. I am so fucking excited about this to like see these two movies on the big screen um on the big giant outdoor drive-in big screen is gonna be so awesome and the fact that it's only ten dollars a ticket it's yeah a ten dollars a carload i should say um and we're having a thing where if you order before july 17th you are entered into a raffle for like $200 worth of like horror swag. So $10 a carload gets you the two movies and the entry into the horror swapping shop. You're going to be there anyway. Why yeah. not do it early yeah. mm-hmm. and get in with some of the good stuff? <coughs> now, 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 Genius, there's mm-hmm. there's two ways to go about getting tickets, correct? Yes, you can go to Eventbrite or you can buy them at the gate when you can. But preferably, if you go through the Eventbrite, you know, it's better. You're guaranteed a slot because I have a feeling the tickets are going to sell out pretty yeah, good. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going fast. And, yeah. and to, to help people out, if you're not exactly sure how to navigate Eventbrite, because sometimes it's kind of confusing. If you go onto the Kansas City Horror, uh, Kansas City Horror page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You, we got a link right to yeah, it. it. It'll take you straight to it so you don't have to try. I That's how I ended up doing it. Yeah. When I tried it first, I'm like, Eventbrite, why don't you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, and if you're in Eventbrite, just search in Horror Drive-In and it should pop up. Now, I'd like it to be known. I've already purchased my tickets so even though i am good friends with you if by any chance i win the raffle it hasn't been like planned out right no no okay, no no it's no okay. no it's if you no buy show us scandals there's going to be no shenanigans everything's going to be on the up and up i even have one of those big like bingo like <laughs> bingo swirly twirly things that you put the balls in and like that. It's yeah authentic. it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be legit it's if, gonna if, be if legit. you if you don't want to be heard temple uh, then I'll, I'll easily be van doren if you want so. <laughs> <laughs> but it should be a really good time uh so i've seen some of the vendors that are coming for this swap and shop and they got some good stuff so yeah definitely check it out and then we got a lot more cool stuff coming up on the horizon at the Kansas City Horror Club so check us out on the Facebook um, on the Twitters on the uh, just for search Kansas City Horror Club and you'll find it and see us and Nightmare Junkhead too at Crypticon coming up pretty soon I'm super stoked for that if you are in the Kansas City area, now it did move up to St. Joe, which mm-hmm. is not that big of a deal. Right. A little bit more of a drive, but it's well worth it because um, amongst all the guests and all the tomfoolery that happens, they added a new guest that yes, I am. Yes, they did. That you, you like texted me. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're like, ah! And I'm normally not that guy that gets this excited, <laughs> but um, he's going to come to save our summer this this year in uh, Crypticon. But Sam Jones, man. He's uh, a miracle. Uh, yeah. Freaking, <laughs> And that is a movie for me, near and dear, mm-hmm. unironic, love it. We actually had a chance to host it at yeah. the Alamo for a late night. It was fantastic. We're going to bring out the hot hail, man. Uh, 
I'll teach you what it means to team up sometimes here. <laughs> God damn, a dirty, dirty movie that just opened up so many horrible fetishes for me. <laughs> well, now, this is Flash Gordon we're talking about, not yes. Flash, Flash Gordon. Yes. That's a different well, movie. Well, no, I mean, I mean let, let, let's be clear. There, there might be some Brian Blessed fetishists out there. We should treat them with the amount of respect they deserve. And what what particular animal is he associated with now? He's actually a huge animal rights activist for not beavers, but since <laughs> no, I, I know it's, it's I know it sounds crazy. No, no, no. to the internet, we'll we'll we'll, we'll do a little talking while sea you sea otters. But no, sincerely, he's like actually a huge hardcore animal rights activist, and in that kind of a field, I'm not joking, hmm. which actually adds to his little bit of a gravitas, if you will, <laughs> in terms of you know, oh well. <laughs> Who wants to fish forever? Um, but but looking very much looking forward to that at Crypticon. Uh, and obviously, we're going to be there. Please mm-hmm. say hi. We'll yeah. probably be talking to as many people as possible. Definitely. Um, especially a lot of the local artists as well, because that's, you know, the last time when we were at Days of the Dead, we had the chance to talk to uh, Gary Pullen. Yeah. Which was always a lot of fun. And it's such cool stuff, and he's super talented. And that's the cool thing about uh, all the, everybody at Crypticon. Super, super talented. It's so. unreal, yeah. And that's the thing that always ends up breaking me, unfortunately, at Crypticon, <laughs> is the artwork. I know, it's... Ah. Not that I have the wall space for it, but i got to start <laughs> rotating things, unfortunately. When you get to that rotation, it's Bring time to... Bring up the to, new collection. Yeah, it's, this, this is the summer collection. <laughs> right. The fall collection. <laughs> so let us go ahead and transition, then, collection-wise, into the Cornetto Trilogy and all things that is Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. So before we get into the official Cornetto Trilogy, I kind of wanted to say, if you have had to figure out a way to describe Edgar Wright to someone that hasn't isn't familiar with his work you know are there any particular styles that you would imagine and conjure up is there you know what's his aesthetic to you Adrian oh, I'm gonna need a second okay I, I, was, um, I was busy still looking about Brian Blessed. well let me I'll throw this out I, I couldn't find anything about animal or I mean, there, there was a light or a lot but the main thing that first popped up is did Brian Blessed really punch a polar bear so we know it's not polar bears. Yeah, polar bears. Um, <laughs> does not have a stock in Coke, unfortunately. <laughs> I will say this. You know, if you, I would say he's a nerd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he's one of us. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that is obsessive with the same movies. Yes. That we're obsessed with. I would say that he, he is hyper stylized yes. with a loving homage and a good eye for detail. Yes. Yeah. What, would you even say a British Tarantino-esque style oh, in most, terms of... Mm-hmm. Oh, I would definitely say that, but I think he would. I think that would almost be like limiting him, mm-hmm. you know, because Tarantino—they're almost two separate entities, but they work music to tell the story yes. so well. Yeah. Their choices of soundtracks just not only just enhance the story like a lot of them, but just move the story forward, so, so they mu- become a character of themselves. Yeah. So, so music is very prevalent in mm-hmm. with Edgar Wright. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. With a with a hyper stylized view of the interesting difference i think between like tarantino and uh right when it comes to that is that tarantino is going back to what word we've used a little bit he's a fetishist when it comes to film because he is absolutely obsessed with 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 homages and paying tribute to the past and edgar wright uses all those styles and then also develops new types uh, of mm-hmm. styles and visual flair to say things uh, that are uh, essentially 100 percent human 
And I think that's that difference. And if you watch his movies, especially when it comes to the Cornetto trilogy, it's a big thing that's in there when it comes to growing up, being decent to one another, taking stock of it. And and that's not, not that Tarantino doesn't have that. It's just that he's focused on on one side of it. Mm-hmm. And Edgar Wright takes over that that other side. His, of his Tarantino's not so uses movies not so much as a metaphor, exactly as Edgar Wright does. Um, for example. <laughs> For Tarantino, a war movie is a war movie. An action movie is an action movie. But for mm-hmm. Edgar Wright, an action movie is also a fable of growing up. Exactly. It's also a romance. It's also, you know, a parable of modern times and mm-hmm. the, the world war. But for Tarantino, it's a World War II movie is a World War II movie. Yeah. So I think that's what really separates the two. And I think you find a lot of those themes in this in the Cornetto trilogy. And actually, I do have growing up. There's the inevitability of responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, just and then finding a balance in life. You know, when you actually can look at those. Uh, the other thing I was thinking of, just in terms of kind of what I when in terms of when I say Tarantino-ish, is his use of pop culture references and yeah. scripts, which yeah. they're loaded with, but also yeah. the cool casting choices, just in terms of all these great British character actors that mm. I. At a certain, I was never familiar with, but then was introduced to a lot of them that way as well. Which is what he, which is Tarantino, kind of yeah. his bit was mm-hmm. introducing all these like seventies uh, B level character right. actors into these Pam blockbuster for Pam Grier, Robert Forrester, yeah, uh-huh. and then with. Uh, with Edgar Wright, he does the same thing, but with these great British characters, I'm like, who the hell are you guys? But and how can I see more of your work? You yeah. Um, there's some other things. I think the connective tissue that you find in his films are the use of humor mm-hmm. and horror slash kind of to enhance it violence. Because when the horror, well, Shaun of the Dead was a horror movie straight up. Yeah. Um, Hot Fuzz was not. It's an action movie, but the scenes Ooh. of violence and gore were so alarming intense. Yeah. even like let's say baby driver the scenes of violence and gore now we're gonna we'll go, get to that we're gonna go yeah. into spoilers probably in almost all of his movies <laughs> yes, so we're your four won't um but when it hits because it's not like it's not rob zombie where it's right off the bat gore 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 no, gore, no, gore, no. gore 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 hit over your head literally right <laughs> <laughs> this is like flashes and just such violent out of nowhere it, it's punctuation marks yes is what it is. yes it's yeah. like it's like throwing a uh, a thing of red paint on a like a happy Thomas Kincaid canvas. You can't help but like <laughs> just see it right there, you know? That's well, what I like about his style. Speaking of seeing red, I think that's <sighs> the perfect segue into the red flavor of the Cornetto trilogy. Mm-hmm. And the one that started off uh, back in 2004. So just in terms of there was a lot of hype build up yes. with this film because this is like the ain't it cool news uh-huh. days if you will that's how I found out about it seeing the boards and you heard mm-hmm. I heard all about like this this revolutionary horror comedy mm-hmm. uh, it's this original voice and we talk about it all the time on Nightmare Junkhead the, the what can happen with hype yeah the hyperbole of especially horror that can be the doom kneel of, of the <laughs> genre and so um, just to start off who here was able to did any of us get to see it in the theater yes I, yeah me too okay excellent I, I, I actually and i apologize it's not me being like oh ha, ha, oh no ha. no 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 but it's, yeah it's, that's but it's, it was something cool that happened is that i had uh, a friend who came over to live in america basically after living in england and one of the things that he brought over was a dvd copy because of the the releases being so many months apart that it already came out on dvd in the uk and so he brought it and was like you you have to see it and so I, I watched it 
because of course I was somebody who I, I had a, um, a a DVD player that was cheap, but the reason that I bought it was so I could watch all region movies on it. And he, so he gave it to me. So, so I watched him like, Oh my God, this is, this is amazing. This is fantastic. And a couple months later it comes out and, and I'm, I'm like, this is that movie I was telling you guys about. Once again, you so, are that guy. He is always that guy that's telling us. This yeah. It had the same thing happen with the baby driver, but we'll mm-hmm. get to that. Yeah. So that's nice to know that you've already kind of had that. Edgar it was, right. well, that, that's, that's what I loved about a living in Chicago in that time period because I lived there from uh, 2002 to 2004 and so it's right before it's a kind of nebulous time it was right before the internet kind of exploded with things Mm -hmm. going into the streaming Um, yeah unfortunately you had lots of piracy wasn't a part of that but because I lived in Chicago you had access to so many different um, stores that were selling foreign DVDs Mm -hmm. and everything Mm -hmm. just because they, they wanted to cater to that and so it even happened with um, the Jet Li movie Hero uh, is that we got it months in advance because they got it like a week after it came out on DVD in in China and so it was one of those that I bought it and watched it and we sh- ended up showing it in my aesthetics of, of cinema class at, at film school and then months later it ends up coming out and everybody's like we, we actually just watched this <laughs> Adrian's <laughs> like y'all welcome I just gave you cred right <laughs> mad cred extra cred the, these were good times since then it, it's been kind of crap that I've given out to people so I feel bad <laughs> about that so. oh, you no, man, you so. should see Ghoulies 3 oh gosh <laughs> Fuck you, Lisa. I'm sorry. I still apologize. So, genius, you had a chance. You saw this in the theater. I was I was on a date. I, I, I took a I took a date to go see um, Shaun of the Dead, and fortunately, she was like living around that area because it was only playing in one fucking theater, and so we had to go. I had to go all the way up there, and she was like, I don't know if I want to see a zombie movie, and I'm like, too bad. We're gonna go see this. The one I want to fucking see. So, <laughs> so she's like, I don't like zombies, but she liked the movie, so it worked out well. Um, but yeah, so needless to say, my the date didn't go any better, but my love of Shaun of the Dead continued to this day. Did, so. did you finish it off at a pub? <laughs> right, with a cold pint. Yeah. Wait for it all blow over. <laughs> I don't know, but I ran it under a cool tap. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, God, God, uh, we're going to talk about Mr. Nari. So I, too, also had to travel out of my way. I uh, drove about 45 <coughs> minutes to go see it, um, and it was in a theater where there were maybe four other people in there. It was an afternoon <laughs> showing. And I reckon, because I, the again... The trench coat brigade. <laughs> <laughs> Was an American werewolf in London there. <laughs> but um, I had heard all the hype, and so immediately I'm just, again, I'm anxious. Yeah. I, I haven't really, the, the trailers didn't really sell me on anything, but then the, the whole thing opens up with this. Mm-hmm. And you start with a little goblin score like that. Yeah. You're you're in good hands. From a horror pe- fan point of view, when you can start out with that, exactly, you're like, this guy knows his stuff. Yes. Yes. I'm in good hands. And honestly, I remember having such a good time because it is all the beats work so well. The mm-hmm. humor works well. The zombies work well. There's that scene in Leon where he's watching Singing in the Rain. <laughs> and he's so happy in the theater. And there's several times he turns around to look. Yeah. To see if everyone's enjoying the middle, I felt like Leon in that moment. I was having such a good time. I'm like, is everyone enjoying this as much as I am? Because it was that moment, like you said. Yeah. It was that first time. It's I, I'll remember it to this day, every little bit that happened in the film and my experience, the viewing experience, because it was so as just 
ecstatic. Mm. It, it was wonderful. It was just so enlightening because it was, it was at the time where not that zombies were becoming stagnant, but everybody else dismissed them. And just to have something new, something funny, something original, and yet something so lovingly, I, I'm going to make up a word, homogistic. No, no, that works. To, to the predecessors of the genre. Yeah. And with such attention to detail and such... A, a, a wonderful breath of horror fresh air this movie was well and it comes the great thing is when it comes out is like you're saying that it was in a weird state for zombies and everything but it comes out I, now I'm going to mess up which one came out first but it came out right around the exact same time as another movie that different take on zombies Juan of the Dead <laughs> no no, no. Th- this came out around the same time as uh, 28 Days Later it did, yeah, and, it and did. so so those those were two movies that took completely different approaches, both to, English to, too, exactly. So yeah. that that that's what was cool that I think is that they kind of helped each other because when you talk about that time period and it comes to zombies, those are the two movies that you're naming. You're naming Shaun of the Dead. You're naming Twenty Eight Days Later. And Twenty Eight Days Later was definitely the step ahead, the yeah. the sign of mm-hmm. the future. And Shaun of the Dead was a living, living homage, homage exactly to your Romero it, films. Yeah, and one of them's dark super horror, and the other one's fun horror. So. Well, and yeah. that's what's interesting. And re- so the best part of Baby Driver coming out and then revisiting the Cornetto trilogy is seeing these films again because number one, one of the things I think what I love about Edgar Wright and his films is they really reward rewatching these movies. Mm-hmm. But before we go into that, I'm going to talk a little bit about going back into the 28 Days Later, 20 uh, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. You mentioned how one is this dark, gritty horror, super horror, and Shaun mm-hmm. of the Dead is more fun. But if you look at it, Ooh. the more fun, lighthearted one has the more gore, yeah. the more oh, straight yeah. up blood and yeah. violence but than it, but the hardcore of... horror one, which is very funny to like yeah. the juxtaposition of it. Well, the, the, which brings up a funny point, especially because of what he he played is uh, it's kind of got the dichotomy of Dawn of the Dead on one side and Day of the Dead mm-hmm. on the other side. Day has has you know the weirder, lighter tone. You wouldn't exactly call it comedic, but compared no, to no Don Don Day is so dour. I I think that it's I think it's it, well. Maybe you think Captain Day you think Day is is funnier than and then Don? Yeah. I mean I think Don is. I think Don has the very is the more humorous. Uh, I didn't. I don't. I didn't see Day is funny like, at all. Captain I mean, Rhodes, I know his performance is big, but he's um, also scary. At like, least, I know, but with, with, I mean, you've got you've got Bud in there. Yeah, but true, but I don't but think of, I don't see him bringing levity. Like, I, I wouldn't say it, Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> say neither of these. <laughs> more pathos. I wouldn't say none of these are zom comedies, but no, like, no, but not, not not that. But, but I don't know. For for some reason, that's that, right. At least that's how I. I view it. No, no, that's okay. No, that's no, fine. No, that's <laughs> I just wow. Okay, I've n- I've never seen. I've always seen Don as the more lighthearted one. one. Oh yeah, it, it, I mean it does have those moments, but yeah. I don't know. There's there's something about Day that I view it kind of in that because it's past that point of 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 no return. That there are that some of the actions and that things people are doing kind of come off as on the as, absurd exactly so it comes off as comical and then it does have more gore and and over the top compared to it so that's why in my mind i've always put them like that oh no and well mm-hmm. and it, i mean it straight up references day of the dead anyway with one of the kills yeah mm-hmm. which is <laughs> almost <laughs> it represents it represents almost every zombie movie yeah, of course. <laughs> i'm surprised you didn't say choke <laughs> on him but honestly <laughs> what i loved is obviously when they start with the goblin theme and mm. i think what really works with this film is you truly care for the characters oh yeah. yeah 
And it was upon this rewatch, and again, just in terms of what Edgar Wright does well is with his script, is it's layered, and then visually everything is layered. Mm -hmm. uh, how everything is, there's very much foreshadowing in the script, in mm -hmm. the individuals. But this is the, man, rewatching it this time, I love Ed. Ed's my boy, but also, I don't know if it's because I'm older now, maybe I'm more crankety or crotchety, but I'm like, Ed... He was harder to like for me this time, man. <laughs> just all, and maybe I'm just getting old now. Maybe Ed for me was my surrogate. There's not a lot of fat, funny people that can in horror movies that make it past the halfway point, and that mean just everything. Like he. He's kind of rude. He's loud. You know, he does a great monkey impression. I really saw myself in Ed a lot. And then, <laughs> when, once again, spoilers, when he um, met his demise. It was such a gut punch. I was like, no, not it. No, I got bit too. <laughs> like, you know, I can feel like, like, ah, ow, my arm. You know, <laughs> All of a sudden you're, you're in a Will William Castle-esque environment. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's the wrong type of tingler. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what's interesting, though, is the humor works so well and everything builds up. And I, for me, the mo true horror hit for me, it, it's, it's. Ed is gut punching, but yeah. it's before that when his mom reveals that. She's oh been yeah, dead. that's a hard. Because everything scene. is really kind of fun and games up until, until then. Until then, and that's the moment you realize mm -hmm. that oh, this is when we're getting the turn. I think it's because shit gets real for Sean at that moment. Yeah. Is when shit gets real for us the at audience. that moment. My, my my favorite moment with that with that turn is with uh, Billy Nye. Oh, actually, because that in the back of the car when he's trying to tell him and he's trying to focus on on trying to be a leader for a moment and trying to get people to go and everything's crazy. And he's trying to apologize because he can feel that mm -hmm. he's, uh -huh. he's he's going to. And then Sean has that that true freak out when he's then being like, no, just fucking stop the car. Ed. Yep. And Ed's still laughing about it. And he he lashes out and hits him and is like, no, this isn't the moment for it. And, it's mm -hmm. and that comes from a very fun movie. And you're yeah. like, oh, my God, how is this happening? Well, yeah. Bill Nye's his whole introduction to the film, <laughs> that about face that he does. Uh huh. That I, I put it out on a gift the other day. And it's because it's just it's amazing. It's yeah. that's how you are announced in a film. man. Yeah. I mean, that is how you say I'm a badass, and you're gonna. You're <laughs> he gonna has wanna... sound effects too that go yeah. in. There's a there's an actual swoosh mm -hmm. when he's going. It's gonna whoosh. Well, the sound sound design and editing is also another uh, kind of aesthetic in terms mm -hmm. of what Edgar Wright does really well. Very featured, specific choreographs with the the time. Uh, everything is cut a specific way. It's incredible just yeah. in terms of the attention to detail. And, and for um, let's go back to talk, talking about Bill Nye. Um, <laughs> when a movie hits you so well and you love everything about it that it makes you want to backwards engineer mm -hmm. every single person in the movie, every single writer, every the director. You know, I went to go look at Spaced. Um, I went to yeah. go look at all the other things that Bill Nye did back in the day. Yep. Uh, who is this Simon Pegg? Who is this Nick, Nick Frost? Frost? Yep. Who is this Edgar Wright? I mean, so like, just like you said, Bill Nye and the cast is spectacular. Mm -hmm. The music that Edgar Wright does in this movie is, and one thing I love about what Edgar Wright does, and you see it especially start to this one, in the Don't Stop Me Now um, sequence, one thing that I love it's like, a, like 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 one of my the best moments is when you're like driving along and like the radio like the windshield wipers everything goes goes in tune time. or yep. someone walks yep. along in tune with the radio like perfectly that's the best thing and he captured that stuff right at the perfect song at the perfect time beating mm -hmm. up the zombie with the don't stop me now and it just he continues to do it 
and or, or even even earlier than that when he's going through <coughs> uh, the breakup basically and but he's on random <laughs> exactly yeah. and the music kicks on what kind of put that on? <laughs> it was there was just so many uh, the, the the relationship with um with simon Pegg and nick frost with uh, mm. sean and ed it's already developed mm-hmm. they've been mates for a long time and that's what i like with this film and how it contrasts with the other films and we'll get to that but just the performance of these two because again we weren't re- i wasn't familiar with them at all mm-hmm. and then this is my first introduction to him and what an introduction yeah just in terms of the characters these are icon- these are people that you know they're cosplayed to this day exactly <laughs> yeah and the whole cast and crew fucking knocked it out on the first fucking try well, and, and then of course what's uh what's the great pre- piece of trivia not for this movie but for a um a fourth or fifth whatever it fits into the series but a horror icon puts them in a certain movie as a cameo Oh yeah, the Romero's Land of the Dead. There, oh, yes, as, there yes. are zombies. Yep. Um, as as and because they're they're it's actually Simon Pegg and and Nick Frost as Sean and Ed as zombies that that are out by the wall and. It's so good that they can reference and revere so many horror movies and make mm-hmm. us spin on themselves when the people who that they were like, hey, we idolize you. They're like, cool. You did a good job. Come with come, come, come me for a little yeah, bit, you know? know so. Yeah. Because that's the one thing with these films. I think they work as both equal parodies mm-hmm. and then also equal just a straight whatever parody they're parodying. Whether yeah. This is a great horror film. I mean, and with so many little little minute details. Mm-hmm. Uh, Foray Electronics. Um, we're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah. Um, the whole, like, putting their fates in their names. Yeah. You know, the down to that minute detail well, is well, not, so intense. The, the thing that I love about Edgar Wright's filmmaking when it comes to the Cornetto films, um, and of course it's it, it happens in every single one of them, is that it's about the halfway point that you have the turn. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, in, in this one, it goes from being kind of having the comedy and everything, and it becomes a straight horror that has bits of comedy mm-hmm. in the second part. Hot Fuzz goes from spoofing action films, becomes a full-on action film, and it's the same with uh, at World or The World's End, where it goes from you know being light and fun, and then it takes... That that darker turn, turn. Mm-hmm. with with the the sci fi aspect of it, and it's it's great that he knows, and it's but it's the exact same point. He plots everything out, and it's like this is when everything's going to turn up. Everything's mm-hmm. meticulous with him. It's well planned. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this he's he's a next level nerd. He he is. I think without hyperbole, we could say he's an auteur. Yeah. So yes. I mean, he knocked he every single movie that he's done has mm-hmm. been a very good movie. And what I love is just in terms of his love of Sam Raimi and those hyper edits. <laughs> yeah. And what he does with the hyper edits is he hyper edits the most mundane things like mm-hmm. with Shaun of the Dead it's the uh, the toast the, the brushing uh-huh. the little name tag perfect fantastic it translates into hot fuzz as well uh, but honestly it's just one of those things that the humor works so well and mm-hmm. then the horror my god the horror the gore yeah. like you mentioned it was a, not alarming but it was a reminder it's that, gushing yeah. yeah and he loves he loves to go practical when he can as well which is good which is good. He's, he's again. He's one of us, but he's just a next level, hyper talented. Mm-hmm. Can put it out there. One of us. The D for stands for director and OCD. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also want to shout out um, uh, Jessica Hines showing up as the yep. kind of the mirror image of Sean and the other yeah. survivors. It's yep. Daisy from Spaced. So which and again, it's one of those things that I didn't realize until like you guys mentioned, mm-hmm. you reverse engineer and you go, What is spaced? Right. And you go, Oh my God, <laughs> I have a lot of shit to binge. You oh, know? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's great. And, and it's so great because of the fact that it's so short in that that British way that you only have a couple um, episodes to see mm-hmm. in it. 
but it's they're so jam packed. Everything is jam packed in into them. You you think in an hour and a half he's able to cover so much with the genres in twenty two minutes. He's able to cover so much of different genres as well. And they are, like you said, jam-packed. I mean, they've got the Resident Evil episode. And this was basically where everyone kind of came together. And you get that formation because ultimately Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, they were big collaborators in Mm -hmm. terms of the writing and then Edgar Wright doing the directing. And then you bring Nick Frost in who just pairs so goddamn well with Simon Pegg. And so this, you know, this is your initial intro with Shaun of the Dead, the Red Cornetto version. Uh, Obviously, it's a film we all hold near and dear. Uh, We'll we'll eventually get to our uh, ranking of that. But obviously, once this hit, I was basically invested in this Edgar Wright character. Oh, yeah. I was like sold. Anything Simon Pegg, anything uh, Nick Frost, anything Edgar Wright does, I am all about it. And we only had to wait for three years because in 2007, we got Hot Fuzz. Which was the the blue flavor of Cornado, so as to do with the police in action. This is one that, for me, I didn't love it as much when I saw Sean, you know, and I just gushed for that one. I liked it a lot, but I didn't love it as much. But this is one that has grown on me, and I'll just say right now, it's my favorite of the trilogy. Ooh. Yeah. Anything, for me, anything that for Edgar Wright that's not... Shaun of the Dead is a grower, not a shower. I mean, <laughs> for example, um, I that's probably Shaun of the Dead is probably one of my favorite movies in in general, even the recently. Um, but when Hot Fuzz came along, I was on board, and like you said, I I really 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 enjoyed it out in the theater. But I was like, who wasn't Shaun? But growing later and seeing it further down and watching it again and again, you see all the levels and layers and everything, and it does grow on you. And it's they're all good movies. Did you guys see it in the in the theater? I did. I yeah. seen every single Edgar Wright movie in the movie theater. I, I was actually out of town um, the opening weekend, and I, it was one of those that I was like, "Okay, I I want to hang out with you guys," but it's Friday, and Hot Fuzz just came out, so I have to go see it. It's it's only going to be about an hour and forty five minutes of our time, and we can do whatever after that. But I have to see it this weekend. Like that's how excited I was. When it came out, and it was it was fantastic. I was gonna say, yeah. yeah. It, so. your, what was your initial thought when you saw it? I loved it. I I loved um, what's it called? I, I loved Sean when I saw it. I I think up, upon first watch, I liked Hot Fuzz more, just because there was the growth as a filmmaker and and mm-hmm. feeling more confident about jokes and things he was doing. So upon that first watch, you you have that instant connection with it yarp <laughs> no. it, interestingly enough it really plays more as a whodunit yeah as it's it true. builds up because it's, it's not it's really an action. action well it's an action thriller is what i put it as basically it's an action thriller and it's also an homage to those old um 60s mystery mm-hmm. shows like the, the like pbs presents mystery coming up on mystery theater you know and the like Poirot. And then like Hercules Poirot and, <laughs> yeah. and like all that Agatha Christie because all that yeah. all that murder set in a quiet idealistic town, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And when when but it takes the modern twist, of things are not exactly what they seem to be. Yeah. It's it's a wonderfully kind of nuanced little film, and again you have Simon Pegg and Nick Frost playing different characters this mm-hmm. time, yes, in a different universe, and that's what now I'm. I think the biggest thing I've heard from a lot of people says they didn't buy. Uh, Simon Pegg is kind of an action star. Did you guys have any issues with that? Mm-mm. No, okay. no, I yeah, neither did I. Actually, <laughs> I, I, there's a, you can look <gasps> at, at plenty like uh, '80s 
action films out there, and you can look at the stars of those movies and be like, no, right. Simon Pegg's a lot more acceptable compared to, to some of those. Joe movies. Don Baker, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which one of these guys yeah. is going to sh- <laughs> save you when shit goes down? Uh, I'm going to take the British ginger. <laughs> yeah, and that's when Joe Don Baker's like, yeah, I'm going to take a nap. You guys are good over there. <laughs> I'm going to give me a six-pack of Heine, and I'll take on when this all blow. My head down to the pub and wait for it to all blow over. Thanks, Mitchell. <laughs> it really does kind of pay a love a letter to a lot of the stuff in the 70s 80s and 90s um and again i think really works as both homage and an actual action flick um mm. if you re- i always re-watching hard-boiled it's oh. you can watch it as an equal like brilliant parody of action yes. films yeah but it also works as just brilliant action film mm-hmm. and that's kind of the same thing i think with this this works as well mm-hmm. just because it is a very much a take on because they reference everything they reference yeah. point break they bad reference boys bad too. boys too yeah. and so yeah. forth you know they he educates him through that and that's what i really like about this film is just the uh, the friendship between the two characters and how it actually kind of grows organically mm-hmm. um, just even the introduction of um, danny butterman and he's he's technically playing kind of the same bumbling character but it's a different character yeah, different type different type of bumble right more more naive and Mm -hmm. and a little but yeah he's he's experienced the rest of the world through movies because of how small his town is right so the second somebody comes in from a from a large town he's like oh i I got a whole bunch of questions what's it uh, yeah uh." is it really like uh, bad boys too have have you ever been in a high-speed chase before have you ever turned your car and at at a 180 degrees have you ever what was the second most painful thing that's ever done to you (laughs) well and that's what i love with the uh the characters that go on with this in terms of uh this is i think when you really get uh, Edgar Wright having fun with the cast mm-hmm. just in terms because for me this number one this also contains my favorite performance out of anyone in the Cornetto trilogy oh, I gotta hear this oh, of course, it's Timothy Dalton man oh, okay. Timothy Dalton's well, okay. fantastic first, first of all can we just have, can we just have a special shout out before we get to him because he deserves his own section but you can tell the growth in in the impact that Shaun of the Dead has based oh. on the cast of not only or just any yes I'm, <laughs> okay, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at, at his notes that that he has but i'll let you get to that no, no 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 that's okay but he just in the opening scene when they're going through everything that his character's done first of all you've got the small cameo from who there is i believe peter jackson peter is jackson, the crazy santa. santa and then you've got um uh what's it called you've got steve coogan yes in, into martin freeman into, into bill, bill nye <laughs> Which is just this crazy Cronenberg British like hybrid of just high culture getting <laughs> more so high. Great. It's a British and, totem pole. Like they just need Benny yeah. Hill at the base and you'll be fine. <laughs> and, and then and then you've got um, his his girlfriend who he goes to visit, who's played by Kate Blanchett. Yeah, and that <laughs> right? completely covered up. She's got the glasses. She's got the onesie. She's got the it's, mask. You never see her face at all. And yet she was like, I- I'll do it absolutely. Which to me speaks to the level of awesomeness of Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. and why she deserves our everlasting yes. respect but also like you said Game the, Legends awesome the cultural kind of um, culture cultural currency you would get with Edgar Wright he kind of had that kind of pull where okay. yeah why not because mm-hmm. you, you end up having of course who's in uh, uh, the world's end but you've got uh, Patty oh, uh, Constantine who pops up in it you've got uh, Jenna Coleman um, and then, of course, Rosamund Pike. Ros- oh, Rosamund Pike. Well, yeah, but uh, but for for this one, you've also the the big one for me, of course, is and now, of course, I'm going to blank on this name and, and be mad at myself. Which one are you talking Yarp? about, Reverend Shooter? Uh, no, <laughs> Michael Rosen, uh, Yarp. No, the the big one, of course, in that Timothy Dalton. Oh, Timothy Dalton. No, out, outside of Timothy Dalton. Yarp. Why am I blanking on oh. his name? I'm 
feeling so stupid and you guys aren't getting it so of course i'm <laughs> i don't i don't feel we are uh, having a little yarp moment there of course albus uh, dumbledore jim broadbent yes there we go there jim we broadbent. Go. I, was about, I was about to say um his his harry potter name and, yes. and that would have come out but oh, broadbent's great and it, he's having so much fun well he realized mm-hmm. what yeah. kind of film he was exactly. making but but i mean he's got all these people whereas i mean yes the cast is smaller and in Shaun of the Dead, it's more friends that sure. he work with on stuff. But then here, you can see his grasp that he's like, okay, I like you, I'm going to grab you, going to grab mm-hmm. you. And I guarantee you, it was like, uh, I wanted a, um, you know, a Paul Freeman kind of character. Why don't we get Paul Freeman? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you know, just in terms of the way he writes everything, you mm-hmm. know that's what he has oh. in mind. Well, and they're not, not even talking about the stars that he got. Let's talk about the ones that, that came up. Like, for example, the, the Andes. Yeah, oh, Christ, the Andes. <laughs> they're, they're the reason I was glad I had a must. Mustache for a long time, man. Just you know, mustache. Uh, but yeah, no. Patty Condescene. He, he's so, so good in this film. Uh, even, but no. Simon Skinner, Timothy Dalton. Who <laughs> he is literally two steps away from like tying women to like the railroad tracks. Yes. <laughs> so if if, if, uh, if Snidely Whiplash was a Bond villain, right? There, yes. that's no out that he's there we go. so, so sinister in this film and having such a good time you just talk about eating, a guy just eating oh, the scenery and loving his, every his, second of his it his intro in the street when he's running next to him and he I'm goes slasher lock <laughs> me oh, up prices <laughs> well, they're he, so low it's criminal he's, he's right? also he's calling out the ways that basically <laughs> everyone dies die. <laughs> he's, he's, he's calling his oh. shots I mean Edgar Wright calls his shots from the get yes. and so why why wouldn't his villains no. I mean <laughs> The fact that when, again, the humor and horror or the violence, the connectivity you have in this film, the humor works really well. Mm-hmm. But, man, when the when the violence hits in this film. Who? Like, like, the, the, like the hound. It's, it's, oh. it's, for those of you who don't know, the hound was Nyarp. But, uh, yes. but the violence, when he, when, for example, <laughs> the, the, when the statuary just obliterates Shh. that man's head. It just took me by surprise the first time. I'm like, holy shit! I didn't expect it to be that gory and that in your face. And then it just escalated from there. Yeah. You know, which oh, was man. like so T- awesome. Timothy Dalton himself. Oh, his Ooh, demise his... with the chat when they had but the kaiju a, fight. A, but it's, a, it's not even a demise. That's <laughs> no. the thing. He's still alive, and that's what makes it so painful. Is because he's been impaled it's... through the the bottom of like his his neck through, yeah. through his mouth and he's still alive and you're just like no well that's what's incredible with this film is that entire shoot at the end no one really dies no. because the great thing in terms of the fast editing that you get with this one with Hot Fuzz is the paperwork that comes along with police work <laughs> exactly <laughs> and I guess they like real policemen love that like no one ever pays attention to you know the paperwork and he just does that great Sam Raimi has so you get the paperwork at the end with everyone including yeah. <laughs> and that, that shootout at the end like he comes in riding on a goddamn horse yeah <laughs> fascist it's hag, hag. <laughs> when he drops kit drop kicks the elderly lady <laughs> there's uh, the violence inflicted here in the gunplay it's yes. it's so much fun but the it's mirthful it's mirthful fun it's yeah, like it is. it's like yosemite sam you know just yeah. gun violence and well, it, this like if they ever made like a direct sequel to shoot him up they should get and you're right well yeah because it, well especially because you've got the payoff of that of that joke that they have earlier 
and when they're sitting in the car and they're watching everybody and they've got the old man with the giant coat oh, and they're and like what what do you think he's just lined with guns and then sure, sure enough later in the movie uh-huh. he opens up the jacket and just has a complete arsenal right there and you're just like bravo that, golf clap for that that's one great thing about I love about Edgar Wright and it's like all of his movies he sets up jokes and sets up punchlines and sets up scenes yeah. and they all come back into play even like w- one of his signature shots uh, was is one person crossing the street Tracking. and in, in the background there's all kinds of there's shit going happening. down yeah. then later on in the movie it's the exact same shot but everything is all chaotic yeah. and it's the same thing with he, he sets up his joke like you said what was he got full of guns it's a little old man next thing you know little old man's got yeah just chaotic madness I love that well, they mentioned everyone is you know farmers are armed and farmers mums and sure as shit <laughs> at the very end the farmers are armed with the farmers mum no there's the attention to detail the meticulous He's he's just again he's one of us, but mm-hmm. goddamn is he a talent one of one of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, the real horror in this film is we kind of talked about it is the greater good though, just in terms of mm-hmm. the, the greater good the, for the greater good. Yes, and what's so funny in terms of what you find out what the greater good is the greater good. What I love with this film is there's like this whole intricate part in terms of what he <laughs> thinks is going yes. down, and it turns out it's just no, it's they're actually just killing people because they're bad actors or yeah they they you know, want to win the town award that's what it all comes down to model town of the year sinister mm-hmm. that is so sinister <laughs> and the, Hobbs end and it's yeah. <laughs> but the way it's justified uh, in terms of dispatching anyone it's a, what is the greater good if you go against the greater good those kids with the hoodies yep or or um, the, the human statue the reason mm-hmm. that you that you off a certain uh, former police chief is a oh. a because they have um crazy ideas and then second of all for a great big bushy beard (laughs) (laughs) i love that i just love that because jim broadbent's completely serious like up to that point when he's having the discussion and he goes do you know what the difference between you two is he had a great big bushy beard (laughs) it's the levity yeah, <laughs> that you get, Jim Broadbent, man, goddamn. <laughs> when they're both dressed in their uh, their little cowboy, cowboy outfits, outfits. Yeah. for the photo that they take every year, and even the realization that he had his wife killed for the same reason that everybody oh, else. I know. Again, the greater good. That's the true the horror good. presence of everything in that film. Um, just the idea of bonding over films, and when he breaks out, Point Break and Bad Boys Two, he's like. Which one? He's like, no. Which one are we watching first? first right. <laughs> uh, just the little. We've had those conversations. Yeah, <laughs> we have. <laughs> There's a reason why a lot of people, I think, hold this one close to their heart. But like you said, the um, the ending in the model village, which yes. does play kind of like a weird kaiju <laughs> battle. Dalton's demise, man. Oh, what well, it, it technically isn't a demise, no, but but it's it, so painful. The mandible pain. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's pretty horrific. Uh, this one ends just wonderfully as well. I, I would say. <laughs> The only thing I would say with this film, I, it's a little overlong for me. I think it could okay. be a little bit better paced, but beyond that, it still holds up to me as my favorite in mm-hmm, terms of mm-hmm. the Cornetto trilogy. So, yeah. final thoughts on Hot Fuzz? I think it's great. It's great. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's golden. Which brings us, and man, we had to wait a little bit longer for the final flavor here mm-hmm, uh, with yeah. The World's End in 2013. We had a good reason, though, because, I mean, he, well, A, a after Hot Fuzz, he does the, the script duties for. Um, What's it called for Spielberg? I didn't. For which one? For which one? For I'm, I mean, you can you can look it up. I don't remember how involved with the script duties he was, but it's I believe it's him, and then his co-writer on uh, Hot Fuzz, the guy who did um, Attack the Block, 
who um, Tintin. Oh, they did Tintin. Yeah, you can double. Oh, you the Adventures of Tintin. Nope, there we go. Ah. Yeah, very good. Because it's now I'm blanking on the guy, but the guy who directed Attack the Block, who was his co-writer on several things, the two of them wrote Tintin together. And then after Tintin, he goes and he does There's Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim, which is a good movie. And yeah. you know what? I like Tintin. I saw it in 3D. I thought it was dope. And I, I didn't have any. Nice. I didn't have any of that. Like, oh, I remember Tintin back when I was back yeah. in the Nick Trollo era. You know, it wasn't it, like that. So I just went to see it as like a cool new animated movie. And it was a cool new animated movie. Yeah, it, it kind of plays like a. Uh, uh, Indiana, like no, Indiana yeah, Jones. I was, I was gonna say, Young Adventures of British Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. good. It, it, that's perfect. That's for, absolutely for, perfect. I, okay, for if there's anybody who's listening across the pond, I will say an Americanized take on Young British Indiana Jones, since for Tintin, for them is for the English is a cultural right. thing, and that's why you had all these people who were uh, who were involved Jim in other Rock producing and, yeah. and and were they in wanted it, dibs so. on it, man, mm-hmm. that meant exactly. a lot to their childhood. Huh. So that makes sense. And like I said, speaking this amount of detail, if you go back and look at Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the insane amount of like minute <laughs> little details, so just of the aesthetics for the just the rant. Like the first person he kills, he gets a hundred points. Mm-hmm. The second person, he gets two hundred. The third, and just random. You don't even pay attention. There's things in the background, background. that you don't oh, even yeah. that just like say what's going on in the story and everything. That's what some great aspects of Edgar Wright's film style is. Mm-hmm. It just he not only appreciates the things that are going on in front of you, but the things that are going behind the main action is yeah, and it, with that. That's the one thing about his movies. You always have to keep your eyes open all the time. He, he always wants to outdo himself. He wants to always become a better filmmaker, try something. And and where there's plenty of other directors who are like, oh, I wanted to try this. And they just do it for one scene. And Edgar Wright's like, no, I want to do it for the whole movie. I've got this idea. I've got this vision. Let's do it. If it doesn't work into success, then that's okay. We'll move on to something else the next time. He's he's a student, you know. Mm-hmm. He's always looking to push himself, and that's. I'm glad yeah. there's no complacency with him. And here's the, this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but I've still never seen Scott Pilgrim. Oh, you should check it out. You I know. It's really good, you need dude. To. I know, really no, and good. it's one of those weird things. I don't know why I haven't seen it. It's just one of those I never have. It's kind of the I've seen that where I know <laughs> right. what it's about. <laughs> yeah, I like know all the bits and pieces, but I just still haven't seen it. Oh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Mew. Oh. oh, she's a treat. The that manic pixie dream girl. My goodness. Well, just any of them that are in the movie. Huh? I, I said any of them. Who are Her? Knives Chow's cute. Knives Chow's cute. Knives Chow's I'll, I'll, cute. I'll even go to bat for Allison Pill. I'm I sorry. will too. Allison Pill's course, cute. And then you've got May uh, Whitman's in there, right? May Whitman's in there. Uh-huh. Uh, and of course, you've got Brie Larson in yeah. a small part. Yeah. So, but no, nothing compares to Mew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You know what? Oh. If, if, if if I could like make a like Manny Pixie like Dream Girl sandwich, it's gonna it would be um, oh, it would be uh, Mew. And her dark half, Aubrey Plaza. Who's also in it as well. <laughs> yeah, Aubrey Plaza is also in it. Uh, and then, of course, we also forgot. Oh, God, why am I blinking on her name now? I don't know. If um, you can see Zoe Duchanel, it's like fucking the pitch, trifecta. Uh, but, well, no, no, I was talking about in the movie because Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza is also in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. And then you've got um, Pitch Perfect. 
Anna Kendrick. Yes, Anna Kendrick. Jesus Christ. Yeah, all these people are in the movie. And that's it. That's just from the women's side of things. So. Well, I know, yeah. Well, that's uh, yeah, Captain America's in there. And, uh, mm-hmm. Brandon Ruth is in there. Superman. Captain, uh, Superman's in there. Captain America is Tom in Jane. there. Tom Jane's in there. A Punisher is in there. Kid back. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Damn. You should okay. really check it out. Okay. Okay. I will. I will. And then, plus Mew. Yeah, Clifton Collins Jr. is the other. Clifton Collins Jr. is in it. We won't say why, no, but, but he's, he's with the with Tom Jane. Yeah. yeah. That's No, I saw that. And I, I do love me some Clifton Collins. You, you need to watch. Clifton Collins Jr. Yeah, I think you dig it. I think you dig it. But but anyways, <laughs> that does leave us actually to the world's end, which was his final in the Cornetto trilogy. And I think this is probably the one that has the most divisive response <laughs> with a lot of people, because, again, this is one I saw in the theater, mm-hmm. liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Took me a while to get back to it. But this is this is the film kind of like with Aliens being my favorite. And every time I watch Alien. It gets better and eventually is going to overtake my love of aliens. This is going to be the film that every time I watch it, it's getting better and it's going to overtake oh, yeah. everyone. Because the, uh, the, the the last time I watched it, man, I saw it in a different light. Mm-hmm. And a lot has happened since I saw it in 2013. Oh, you need to watch it again then. And so, so oh, no, I did. I did. And so oh, I do. that being said, yeah. The, oh, you do. Oh, Adrian, man. your thoughts on it. Oh, man. I, I watched this. Recently, because I went back and was rewatching them after Baby Driver, it, mm-hmm. it, it was kind of a necessi- uh, necessity. You're like, oh, I want to go these. back and I got to hit this. And I was watching uh, The World's End. And for the first part of it, I'm like, oh, man, I forget how painful this this first portion is. And then as you're going on with it, you're like, no, it completely makes sense. And it's so great. And then it builds up and it builds up and everything's happening. And you're just like, this is one of the best films about growing up learning to take responsibility about how sometimes people view certain things as as rejection is a in a bad way mm-hmm. but there's certain people who that who certain we've got a triangle in front of us and not and it kind of works into the movie that there's certain structures and things that people will say this works for everyone else this should work for you and that one person it may not work for and people take that as a negative and decide to cast them aside instead of trying to helping them out. And this movie views that different and says, no, that, that there's a different side to it. And it's just, it's a huge, it's, crazy statement that, that Edgar Wright's making in, in this film, but it's, it's beautiful basically. Like I, I love it. Once it dawns on you and once you become older as an adult, yeah. you come to like, respect it even more it's such a human film yes. for a movie that's all about blanks <laughs> ironically enough and i think that's probably on purpose uh this is the green flavor of the cornetto trilogy for the whole science fiction alien and this is you know his take on a science fiction film yeah you know we've had the horror we've had the action now this is the sci-fi and it it definitely plays with the whole invasion of the body snatchers element mm-hmm. but i think the thing that really elevates it and like you said is the characters themselves but also just in terms of simon Pegg's character gary king and his journey in terms of what, how he starts, what he, because you think about ultimately his goal, was, mm-hmm. I don't think was to ever survive that night. Well, I think in a lot of ways it was his chance of, of asking for help, but I think ultimately he, I don't think. No, 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 no. I, I completely I agree with you. And having just watched it in the last couple of days, yes, it, it's 100%. It's his, it's his goal to allow himself to let go. It's that thing that he was never able to, to do. And with, like I said, those structures and everything for we're, we're spoiling it. Uh, yeah, yeah spoilers, spoilers. OK, because of the fact that he is um, an addict in every sense of the word, not just for for drugs or alcohol mm-hmm. or everything, but it's because his life 
became depressing and he didn't see any way out except for masking all that pain, mm-hmm. which leads him to, of course, commit, try to commit suicide several different times. And that reveal when that happens, just that yeah. one, it, it brought tears to my eyes. Actually, yeah. this time when I watched it, and oh it's my just, God. Uh, especially because you're, you're reeling when early on they're saying, oh, prove, prove that you're a human. Mm-hmm. Let's let's see the scar on your arm. And he says, no. And then you find out the reason why. But it's. Like, that's what I love about the movie is that his whole idea, I think, was I'm going to to get my friends together. I'm going to uh, attempt the Golden Mile. If I'm able to do the Golden Mile, then I will hold on to a semblance Mm. that there is a chance that things will get better. If everything happens like before and I'm not able to go through with it then that's the sign that there's absolutely no chance of, of anything being better and I'm going to kill myself. Because there is, and that, that is the push and pull with that, that you notice with the way he views things, the, the conversations he's having with people, mm-hmm. is that he's so depressed he wants to kill himself, but at the same time, he wants to have that hope saying, give me a reason. I don't believe in the higher power. I don't believe in this, but something in life, give me a reason to stick around. And I'll do it. And then you ultimately get that weird kind of intervention, an out, another worldly intervention, yeah. if you will. In Alien of, intervention. Yeah. Which is crazy enough. And again, the idea is what happens if you conform. Because technically this whole thing is, the whole Golden Mile was that beer crawl they tried and failed when they yeah. were teens. Mm-hmm. And almost that what if approach. You know, exactly. What if yeah. we yeah. had finished this? Where would I still be here where I am? Because ultimately what I really like with the kind of the cycle of the films, and we've kind of talked about the themes, but with his Shaun of the Dead, it's all about growing up. It's, mm-hmm. you know, when you hit that 20s transition, it's like, how do you transition into being an adult or what is an adult? You mm-hmm. know, there's uh, Yvonne's like, oh, very adult of me, right? <laughs> Hot Fuzz kind of that you've, you've established as a career, mm-hmm. but it's like, are you all career? And how do you find that balance in terms of career? Yeah. The joy in what you're doing. Right. Yes. Do you work to live or live to work? Uh-huh. And then with uh, The World's End, what happens if you're looking back all the way back to the Shaun of the Dead, back to those 20 something yeah. years, you yeah. know, and looking back on it fondly for what they are, but you can't be totally back. Yeah. You can't hold on to it. No, you, you can't. You can't relive your high school days in your 30s. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, th- I think that's why him completing the Golden Mile this time is such a it thing, because he views it as kind of a even though so many years have gone by that it's kind of a reset button. Right. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you get this done, <laughs> if I can, I can prove to myself, th- that, then then I can yep. start over mm-hmm. where I would have been the the next day and this also just in terms of the themes it continues in terms of the cast what a great cast (laughs) the cast on this one this is where ultimately i think you really get more pathos because in Mm. terms of the build-up in the first half of the film again before you get that eventual right twist yeah is you do spend a lot of time with these guys again reliving the good old days but how many of you have been with friends that you haven't seen in a while where you do reminisce about the fun that you had but then there's sometimes that awkwardness of where do we do we have do anything we in common now, after that? Yeah, yeah. But then there's sometimes those when you can just fall back into old habits and just yeah. almost like you know, just the rhythm. Shit, I got a high school reunion coming up, a big one right? coming up here pretty soon. So that's always run, that's going to be. I'm thinking. I <laughs> was like, because that, uh, well, I it, it's you don't you don't have to agree, but my my view of it is usually when it comes close to a reunion, what I'll do because I'm not on Facebook all the time is I'll I'll get on and I'll. I'll find people, you know, who are going to be in town. I was like, "Hey, do you want to grab a drink or something?" And they're like, "Oh, you're not, you're not coming to that." And I'm like, 
I can easily see you guys when you're in town, <laughs> like the day before or the day after, and not deal with right with everyone else because that's not social that's not media has see. almost made so. these you know reunions obsolete and unnecessary. Well, except for those people who we're just talking about who want to look at the past and and reclaim that. There are all signs saying, "Don't do this." We're talking about it on a podcast. I'm telling you, this is the this is the seed and the recipe for some disastrous thing to happen. Genius. Like, like if I go, all of a sudden we're going to be alien invaded, or like yes. we're, we're going to like have our reunion in a bar that happens to be filled with vampires. Or, 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 or like, at worst, it, it won't be anything like this, but it could end up being Gross Point Blank, which is not <laughs> the one that Benny he the Jet may come after you. Mm, yes. Right. Or no, even worse, what will happen is you come back and we say something about Cosby, and you don't automatically react and we're like there we go something's happening with genius upside down (laughs) (laughs) here yeah you're the old man i'm in the sunken place get out of the reunion that's that's the sequel (laughs) (laughs) at least we have you on evidence now we know this is if it happens (laughs) you're gonna be like point back to this you're gonna be like and the jello pudding pop then just wait and look at me and the and pudding this. pop. Well, well, I guess it sounds delightful. And I the would pudding. One of those. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm lactose intolerant. However, <laughs> Jello, I do enjoy the regular Jello. Well, did you watch the other night with the Cosby Show? I don't find Bill Cosby's humor funny. Oh, Who God. are you? <laughs> no, all of a sudden, yeah, like exactly. I was gonna say. And Greg, like, Greg, twist the head, twist the head. <laughs> well, this film does lovingly homage uh, the Escape from the Body Snatchers, obviously the Donald Sutherland great screen, but also uh, just in terms of the idea of the blanks and this yes. idea of conformity, which is really weird. But which is weird. no bots? No, don't you mean no bots? The no bots. But it's the, it, it, but they're both neither hot fuzz and this one says no to the greater right, good. Right. Yeah. So the like greater good. This, yeah, well, that's, the greater good. This, this is, I think, honestly, this is where I think you get a bit of the Carpenter influence from Edgar yeah. Wright, mm-hmm. because it's kind yes. of the anti-authority, if you will, with these. Uh, but I love with this one is it does give you uh, another bond yeah. with this, where you get Pierce Bronson at the end, yes. and he comes in and he, so great. and he gives the exposition, but why wouldn't you want him giving you the exactly. exposition, right? With a goatee, too. Looking very proper, exactly. I would mm-hmm. add. But I think this is probably the, the reason I think that ultimately this film is very divisive is because mm. of the ending. Because yes. of, the in terms of the twist, this is a really weird twist in mm. terms of how it happens, the buildup, and the fact that Gary King basically, does he damn humanity or does he free us? Well, he, it's a, I think he damns us. Well, in, in a, in a, oh, I mean, he, 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 he damns us by freeing us. But mm-hmm. one of the, there's a great article out there i can't remember i want to say maybe it was devin Fracci who did it it was either devin Fracci or film critic hulk but it's on birth movies death i know that there's a great article talking about how the end of this movie is the most captain kirk thing that's been on celluloid for the last like 25 years and it is because that's what they're talking about is that this is very much the original series star trek with with a, a, a bunch of people are going to be enslaved or they're going to be destroyed and there's a supreme being and Kirk steps up and says, hey, wait a second. Why does God need a starship? Yeah. Instead of us shoot, <laughs> instead of us shooting at each other, I'm going to use logic to undo the, the bad thing that Let's, you want to do. And of course, it, it, the, what the network mentions at first sounds absolutely great and fantastic. Yeah, and then they're like, well, how many people did you have to replace? Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a couple handful. Well, how many, how many humans are there still? Oh, yeah. there's there's three that that are left. Okay, so in this small town, only three people <laughs> were not changed. Right. And they're like, how many times have you had this happen across the galaxy with all the places that you've been? And they're like, 
we, we have run into some some pockets in America or in in um, on Earth compared right. to to any other. You know, and but they're course, like, well, yeah, it, it's, it's it's humanity. Human. We're, yeah, it's, it's human to fuck up. We need we yeah. need that opportunity. So, yeah, it's an interest. We are kind of fuck ups as as intergalactic species go. Yeah. I think we probably are the lowest on the totem pole of the intergalactic species. I mean, but I'm that's, sure. I, can't, I can't even remember what, but there was some some game or movie um, where uh, humans basically accidentally find out a way to travel faster than the speed of light, and like when they meet aliens, one of the first comments that the aliens made is they're like oh yeah you're actually one of the last species to join up we've had people who've been monitoring to your planet being like we don't know what's taking them so long <laughs> they're fine they're fine they pose no threat <laughs> they, they only pose a threat unless you invite them in exactly right. yeah, so we're, we're like vampires we're, we're like vampires. the vampires yeah. of, of the galaxy well we don't show up nude like Matilda May so uh, no, but or the, eating apples like Jerry Dandridge like Jerry Dandridge fruit bat baby uh, no but definitely you get this really crazy kind of post-apocalyptic ending oh, where Gary King actually mm -hmm. then kind of uh, he embraces his younger nostalgic days doesn't he it, well, it, it's it, a weird ending because it's, I'll hear it's, your thoughts it's very all. ambiguous I mean like okay so he everybody hates robots but yet he's leading for lack of a better term ro the robots right. no, his old mates so basically he's reliving his youth in a roundabout way so is it a, it's a happy ending for Gary King but is it a happy ending for everything and everybody else who's well, all around starving and it's well in a way i mean it's one of those that people were lying too much on technology Back that's to kind basics. of what it is they're, mm -hmm. they're going to build up to that because the only thing they mentioned was just the the telecommunications part of it for 25 that years they've been involved with that that's it anything else technologically has been us so we can get back to that point basically they, almost has a Battlestar galactica kind of feel yeah. in terms of the ending but with the the gary king part is it's it shows that his transition of of becoming the adult and and while he is when he's got the big speech with the network he's basically rejecting like the 12-step program mm -hmm. and saying you have to conform you have to do this to be considered a good person when there's no other way on your own to like be able said, to do so it so many mm -hmm. yeah and, and it's by him saying actually vocalizing and saying yes i'm a fuck up but i need to do this myself that might work for everybody but for me, myself, give me this chance and just help me out on that. And so when he does, because he comes over to Andy's way of thinking, when he shows up into this place where you've got people with the war paints, right. the big brawny men ordering, ordering tap water, water yep. it means that Take you're the balls. bravest person who's in there. But at the same time, when he walks in, he wants to give the, the, the blanks that he has with him a chance. Mm -hmm. And it's when they directly... Um, call into to question the blanks and want to fight with them. That's when he decides, and he's like, "No, fuck you guys!" And he's he's standing up and he's being that leader to the group that he always wanted to be. There that we he say always he's found that was. balance exactly, and so he's done that. And as opposed to because that's everything up until um, he he stands up against the network. Basically, he's still running away. There was an accident years ago that we hear about where he basically OD'd and, mm -hmm. and he left Andy because he didn't want the responsibility and ran away. Throughout that night, he's focusing on the Golden Mile and he's actually abandoning his friends at different points so that he can continue on. And yet here he is at the end where the the robot versions of his friends, their lives are being threatened and he steps up and says, no, fuck you guys. Yep. 
you're not allowed to say that. And that's that's where you see his his growth and everything. And I'll be honest, I kind of wanted to continue those adventures yeah. when the movie cut. And I was like, God damn it, Edgar Wright. <laughs> but no, I agree. This is a film that I think really, because again, all three of these films felt a little bit different when I rewatched them this time. Mm-hmm. But this is the one that I think is very much the grower. Yeah. That for me, it's my third favorite, but it's very soon going to take over Sean. And I don't know, it may soon eventually take over Hot Fuzz. So, but there, uh, there's so much working on it. Like, I, I love being able to see Edgar Wright's growth that he has in this and, like, mm-hmm. the subject matter that he's going on. Mm-hmm. Where, where they, they're all drinking. It's a fucking hilarious movie. But at the same time, you've got this, this storyline that's going underneath it that's... Super sad. Yeah, so yeah. raw and so human. Uh-huh. So. And honestly, I also love the uh, the edits on this one. Here is the uh, the beer, 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 water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just the, the, the or the 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 other quick one is when he's in the car after the the police officer talks to him and he puts on the seat or he closes the door seatbelt and then oh, it's the tire spinning. It's it's wonderful and it's again it's what makes Edgar Wright Edgar Wright. So final thoughts on the world's end. Um, it's that's definitely out the. Out of the three, that's the one that I need to revisit again. Cause I think you'll you'll it'll it'll surprise you mm-hmm. it really will. So let's go ahead uh, before we take a break, really quickly. Rank your uh, your Cornetto trilogy, top um, to bottom. It, it goes, and I'll even I'll even go with what I was talking with somebody on Twitter a couple days ago um, that I put World's End number one, um, Shaun of the Dead number two, and Hot Fuzz number three. But they're all 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. movies. They're all fantastic movies that I absolutely love. It's just that this watch around, there were elements of the world 10 that hit stronger with me that made me go, I, I have to put that you up top. You got to put it up top. Nice. Mm-hmm. Genius. Uh, chronological, actually. Uh, Sean, Hot Fuzz, World's End. That so, works. Cool. Mm-hmm. And I'll say uh, Hot Fuzz and Why Not, World's End, and then Sean. So wow. it finally overtook it. So uh, we are going to take a break, guys. When we come back, we're going to give you our thoughts on Baby Driver and then talk in the sweet, sweet soundtracks with some of our favorite from the genre. We'll see you here in a bit. Hey, listeners, you're listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Nightmare Junkhead. With Genius McGee and Greg D. I'm Gigi Saul Guerrero from Lucha Gore Productions. Gore is love, baby. All right, gang, we are back. And as promised, we are going to be talking about the latest entry from writer-director Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. This one is out in the theaters right now, so you have no excuse not to see it. And I won't lie, we are going to spoil the shit out of it. Yeah, it's going to get spoiled. So make sure oh. you do see the film before you listen to this episode. That's why we did this on the second half, so you can always <laughs> uh, enjoy the first part of the Cornetto trilogy. Uh, that being said... Um, We've had a ch- we had a chance to all three. We saw it at a particular mm-hmm. screening, but uh-huh. Adrian, as always, oh, was the one that was like to the punch, man. So you initially saw it where? I saw it at South by Southwest. It was it was great. It was fantastic. It w- I didn't think that I was going to be able to to see it. Um, South by has a weird thing that even if you have even if you're press and you have a press pass, you still have to go and and stand in line for most of the movies. But they have a thing that you can do every day. You show up basically at like the butt crack of dawn at like seven o'clock to stand in a line um, and get priority passes, which gets you into uh, a shorter line that starts seating about 30 minutes before the film. And they only do a small percentage each day. They do 5% of the seats in the theater each day. So you're standing in line. They've got a giant whiteboard. And as you're getting closer, (coughs) they're writing the certain movies. So first day that you could get Baby Driver 
gone. right away gone of course and second day I'm, I'm there and i get to the front and they're like oh is there anything you weren't able to get yesterday and i was like oh i'll try this one i probably won't get it and they're like no yeah we've, we've got baby driver spots and i go yes yes absolutely <laughs> i want that spot and i ended up uh getting in there and everyone wants to sit in the front section basically but it's kind of weird how it's blocked off so i was looking around couldn't find the spot and saw that there was one spot left in the front row and i'm like I don't care. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I sat there and literally you can feel yourself being blown away (laughs) by the opening of the movie. And I'm just like, yes, I already love it. I've only (laughs) watched five minutes, but I am in for everything that happens. What was the what was the crowd experience like on that one? Oh, everybody fucking loved it. The whole this movie originally was going to come out in August because of how well it played at South by and it was already sitting at a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes just by South by Southwest. The, the studio basically was like, we want to move this up. We want to get this out before other movies are out. So they moved it up to the end of, of June being (laughs) like, but let's go for it. And we're all richer for it, yeah. as, it as it stands. So we uh, had a chance to host a screening of this at the uh, Screenland Armor, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did some RC, RC cars <laughs> and yeah, to get everyone in the mood. So uh, genius. What was your thought on baby driver? I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I want to see it again. Um, I do have two main issues slash complaints with this movie. This is the place for those. Um, First, let me tell you what I really loved about this movie. One, I loved the fact, um, like I said earlier in the podcast, I love it when music hits, like when you're watching, like when somebody's walking down and it works perfectly. This entire movie is that yes. experience. I mean, from the words in the background, the, the movements, the gunshots, the gunshots. Oh. I mean, the dialogue, everything is beat for beat. Mm-hmm. Perfectly done. We talked about him being meticulous. This is that at an nth degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the action is fantastic. Um, the the characters are great, but my only two complaints, mm-hmm. um, and not even complaints so much as criticisms. Um, one the the plot is super pencil thin it's it's something we've seen millions of times before mm-hmm. um a nice guy works for the mob wants out of the mob shenanigans ensue and so that yeah but i think since it is such a simple fact that what edgar wright did was make it more so stylish and yeah, so awesome. that it doesn't even matter the pencil thin plot um the only other thing that i have issues with um were the two main characters of baby and of um, Lily. What was it? Lily? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They didn't seem very... Um, Lily just seemed like she could have been anybody pretty. She was She was just there almost for eye candy to move. Lily James is Deborah. Yeah. Deborah. Deborah. Oh, Deborah. 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 Okay. Yeah, Deborah. Gotcha. That's right. Um, Deborah just could have been almost anybody. And I, and I think uh, my other problem is with Baby... He wasn't as charismatic as I was like, and my ish in my my what I think is happening is because you have such um, fantastic and um, pragmatic character actors. Kevin Spacey, mm-hmm. uh, you have Jamie Fox playing very scary. Oh, he's yes. frightening in this movie. You have John Hamm being both terrifying and very Handsome. delightful, and 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 you have <laughs> the super stuffed uh, John Barenthal cameo. Yeah. Um, you have such these pragmatic, wonderful on-screen actors that are just so their characters are so big. When you have Baby and when you have Deborah, they're very small 
I think that's on purpose though yeah. because everybody's he's an very, archetype. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's also very much a blank slate. Like mm-hmm. this is something I could have seen Keanu back in the day yeah. actually doing really well. And I think that's but I like that because it does get a chance for those other characters to really shine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the whole this whole thing, it's a it, this movie is an exercise in style. Yeah. Like you said, it doesn't really oh, yeah. care that it's pencil yeah, thin it, in it, terms it, of it didn't take me out. Their their characters yeah. didn't take me out at all. I mean, I still loved the movie and I still liked the characters and all that i just thought like against such giants of characters mm. you probably might want to step your game up a little be a little <laughs> bit more on their level i think if i was to go back and recast this like i said i think they, they did a fantastic mm-hmm. job but mm-hmm. my i think um nicholas holt would have been significantly better as baby or um uh, the guy in kingsman or uh anton yelchin i could god rest his soul mm-hmm. i could see that working well i i kind of I, I know it's some weird, but I kind of like that Ansel Elgort is the one that they chose because he he does have that he, he is able to cast that that blank slate and mm-hmm. give everyone else th- those bigger chances, you know, because baby doesn't have to be big. And part right. of, part of the thing about the plot is that you're experiencing it from baby's point of view because mm-hmm. basically you're hearing all this music that's basically going on in his head and is telling the story, and so you're experiencing it from that that standpoint you're the person who's taking in everything that's happening around him with these characters and being also larger than life it's mentioned the fact that he doesn't belong in that world explicitly yeah. to the point that it's probably the fact that he does you know he doesn't he and doesn't see, have that kind of a personality maybe that's maybe that's why i mean and, i still like want i still want to see this movie again and, I, and I still want to <laughs> i still like this movie i still want to see it again but yeah i think now that you think about it if he doesn't belong in this world, and yeah, it yeah. does. He's such a blank slate that he does make the supporting characters that a lot better. bigger yeah. than they are. And I think it's the same with with Deborah being that way that she's supposed to be that that damsel. And in she's a way, almost idealized that. in many ways as well. Not necessarily a manic pixie dream girl, right? She's names, no Mew, but but, <laughs> but actually, I really found that their their need for each other because he's he's very much. And again, maybe it's just because it's the introvert in me, but yeah. I identified a lot with the stuff because listen. I am one of those guys that constantly I'm listening to podcasts mm-hmm. and I'm listening. I'm walking around with my little earbuds in, mm-hmm. and there are times when I find I've, the podcast is stopped and I still have them in, almost like a comfort. You know, if it's a, yeah. a pressure blanket, I don't know if I'm on the spectrum or what have you, but I identify with that stuff. And then when he has that moment where he's like, "I probably talked with you more than anyone in the past year," yeah. and it's really yeah. minuscule, just ch- basic chit chat. I'm like, I, I yeah. get that. I get that. They had great chemistry together. I mean, I, I, I said earlier that they didn't, like, they weren't big, but together, they were really good. Yeah, and they worked well. well they were, like, everybody has, has great chemistry in this movie. Even even um, his uh, adoptive father, mm-hmm. baby's adoptive father, is just, like, their oh, scenes. He's, he's fantastic. Their scenes are, are just so great and so yeah. well done. And nothing is really spoken between them because it's all sign language. Yeah, because he's... And that's he's, the he's, thing with this film. He's deaf, of course. It's mm-hmm. so visual. Yeah. But also that's ironic because of how musical it is. Like yeah. there are a lot of people that qualify this as a musical, and then people get all, no, it's not a musical. But the music is. is so inherently it important. It is a musical. It yeah. is. It's chore- they're choreographed dance violent numbers. And that's just it. It's it's as you say, and it's not just the big set pieces. It's no. every little thing. Every set. beat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, and it's expa- explaining what characters feel. You know, it, it's covering the tonal shifts in the movie, matches mm-hmm. the music and everything. And that's what I'm glad to see is it's actually kind of catching on with a wider audience because mm-hmm. this is really kind of a niche kind of film. Yeah. Because it's it's a heist film. 
Mm-hmm. It's an action film. Mm-hmm. It's a musical. musical. And so how do you sell that to a general audience? Because we're going to go see it regardless because yeah, right. it's Edgar uh, Wright. I, but yeah. that, that, that's what I actually loved about seeing all the trailers. Having seen the movie before any of the trailers came out mm-hmm. and then being able to see them, it, it was a push and pull. There was part of me that's like, oh, I hate these trailers because they're, they're not showing you what, what movie it is. Exactly. But at the same time, I'm like, but that's great because you're going to get a larger audience who's like, oh, John Hamm's in this. Mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey's in this. Mm-hmm. You've got the younger audience who's going to be like, oh, Ansel Elgort's in this. Yeah. Santanico Pandemonium is in it. Exactly. It, but you're like, you're getting these people into the theater and then they're being blown away by a world that they're not expecting to be right. a part of. And that's what I'm kind of curious just in terms of how people react to this because it is it's such a different film just in terms of visually, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. orally, and so forth. I, I That's the thing. I loved it. Um, this is a film. I've seen it twice now, and it's again because it's an Edgar Wright film. There was so much more that I caught on to. Yes, it. and see, that's why I want to see it again. Yeah, that there's mean. so much that's going on in the background that that gives way to like what's happening, and you're paying attention to certain pieces of dialogue and stuff like that. Like John Barenthal's great. He's everybody sees his name, and you're like, oh, he's going to be in it a ton. But Edgar Wright has the great thing where when he's getting off the elevator, he goes, and if I don't see you guys again bang it's because i'm dead Mm -hmm. doesn't show up in the rest of the movie so you know that he went and did something that got him killed Uh and this is ultimately an agar wright film so you know the script is going to be layered with that kind of stuff and violent but once again like in hot fuzz the violence came on so quick so fast so bloody you couldn't help but go whoo i mean it just oh, high, catches you, you off guard you you, you guys you 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 like so, greg, you winced greg, oh, to the point where, like leg in the air winced when i saw sean initially and when ed got attacked mm-hmm. i had that moment in the theater when i i visually react and i audibly react like yeah. no and when this demise comes about, oh, and honestly, Jamie Foxx's character, yeah, he needs to talk about it. Uh-huh. He is so frightening he's, in this movie. Exactly. He's, he's terrifying. Like, I think he would make a great, just, I think based on his performance, he could, do, that's your future shape right there. That's the guy you want for your Michael Myers. He is frightening. He is very, he's intimidating, he's, which is weird because he's Wanda. <laughs> you know, it's so. Rock your world, baby. I'm a rock your world. You know, it's so weird that that person. He's a chameleon. Became yeah. the character in Baby Driver. He is terrifying. Oh, he this is, is so I, scary. I, I, I want to say this is probably one of his best performances. Oh, I will agree. Not, not I will just in the last couple of years, but like out in of his general, entire career. Yeah. yeah. Because even his like his little philosophy he has, his mantra that he gives himself before yes. he robs everyone, his justification and the fact that he just leaves chaos in his wake. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like does he does he kill the convenience store guy? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's okay. Definitely. Okay. He kills everybody. everybody. Yeah. That's why it was so important yeah, for Baby be like, let's go. Somewhere exactly. Because that's what sets Baby off against him when yeah. he sees that he's killed that security guard. Yep. At the, the yeah. At and the again, beginning. Baby has that sense of morality that mm-hmm. he tries to, do, and it's ultimately that morality that in the end really comes back to save him which yeah. is really nice but um we talked about him before can i just talk about how goddamn distractingly handsome john, john ham is he he is it just me no he's no, no, a he handsome is. handsome no, okay. dude okay oh, I'll, I'll, I'll interject here because one of the best things about south by <coughs> is the fact that you have for these big movies you have the directors and everybody who was there so you had uh you had i i i apologize for not knowing the actress's name, but who played uh, Darling? Darling, yeah, mm-hmm. she plays uh, Santa Santanico and Pandemonium, and uh, and she is, uh, Isa Gonzalez. Yes. Okay. So she Treat. was she was there. Ansel Elgort was there. Um, John Hamm was there, and then Edgar Wright was there. And so they've got a big Q and A. That's fantastic. Actually, if you 
go to one of our our sister sites and boom howdy um if you go to their page on um on, they have the Q on youtube they, they've got part of it and it's great but um they uh, edgar wright had a great piece where he was talking about um jamie fox being on set and how he he always wanted to be you know watching behind the camera when he was not but when he was with these people and he'd continually walk by the monitor and look and he'd see john ham and he'd look over at edgar wright and go that's a good looking dude <laughs> so 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 jamie fox who's rather handsome himself oh, is, hell is, yeah, is over yeah, here yeah. is over here going oh yeah that john fawning over john so Hamm. He, that's that tells you i tell that you there's you. something about that that i'm i didn't realize i'm sexy stubble the uh i'm 40 but i can wear my hair like a 20 year old and yeah. it doesn't look weird I, but the fact that he's funny too yeah you know the fact that he he is all this stuff but he knows that he he can schlum himself down exactly. yeah it makes you want to hate him but you can't but you can't you love that's john that's what's even so great about this movie is that he's He's so careful and caring for for baby. Yes, he, for, when that part eventual of it, turn happens, that, that's what that's what hurts about it. But mm-hmm. it, it comes up because of the fact that that darling even mentions. She goes, "You don't know us. You don't know what we're capable of. You don't want to mess with my buddy, because when he sees red, he's basically yeah. a, a pit bull that's not going to stop until he gets you." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, and sure enough, when the movie takes that turn. He's absolutely fucking relentless. He's yeah. also very frightening, but uh, Almo- the... almost Matthias. Uh... Oh, Matthias Hughes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just it in terms of the practical driving that's going on here. He pushed to make sure minimal CGI. Yes. Just in terms of to enhance it, but there's some phenomenal driving. Oh yeah. He's, he strapped himself to the hood. Yes, actually. he did. He, which he, he was. He he strapped at, for uh, Edgar Wright wanted to get in as close as he could. He strapped himself to the hood for several of the action scenes. And John Hamm said, you don't know how committed somebody is until you're watching what looks like a sunburned Muppet flop on the front of a car when you're acting in a scene. That's dedication to the craft, man. Yeah. Yep. But only that, only a good ring, But that makes sense because he wants to legit. You know, you grow up on the French connection just in mm-hmm. terms of car. You know, the the stuff that is legit, it's visceral. Yeah. You know, you put, you hate to say it, but you put lives in danger. Oh, yeah. With some of that stuff. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. The, 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 the George Miller school of directing. <laughs> if someone doesn't flip four or five times in rotation, <laughs> it's right? a failed stunt. Oh, man. Yeah, no, the, the the stunt driving was phenomenal. Um, just even the cast again. The So the surprise cameo here that <laughs> was so funny when we were watching it with Adrian because Adrian kind of looked over. He's like, oh, like he was just waiting for our reaction. Oh, I, I, yeah, I tapped Greg because I was like, oh, I know this is coming up, but and I know he's going to freak mm-hmm. out. I thought initially it was going to be like this crazy action sequence, but it's no. again, it is Edgar Wright. And, you know, he loves himself. Some great little gun genre, cameos. Yeah. And fucking Paul Williams. Paul mm-hmm. Williams is the butcher. The Mi- butcher. Fucking swan himself, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Yes, Rainbow Connection. Uh, talking Unreal. about the, 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 the cuts, cuts of meats that, that are actually guns that he's describing. Perfect for smoking sausages. And he, it just shows you in terms of the world that Edgar Wright sets up that that's yeah. a character in this world. And this mm-hmm. is a very stylized world. This is nothing set in reality. Speaking of, and you actually... Um, I think you you missed like two seconds of it, or you may have been off to the to the side. I mm-hmm. wasn't I wasn't sure, but there's a very very small part at the end where there is a um, court reporter's voice, basically, who is interpreting uh, what uh, Joe, the mm-hmm. uh, adoptive deaf the father, is saying. Yeah. And do you know whose voice that is? Walter Hill's. Walter Hill. Yep. 
And w- once again, Edgar Wright going, okay, this is the the type of DNA of the movie, and I'm I love these movies so much. I'm going to get the person who inspired this type of film Godspeed. to be involved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get to a little Walter Hill here in a little while. Now, and that's just it, again, it just shows you the love he has for these films, mm-hmm. and their love letters, their homages, but uh-huh. then they also play as what they're supposed to be because so there's so many ways you can qualify this. So let me see here, the violence, yeah, the. Vi- the violence, <laughs> particular character's death. So yeah. in, in Hot uh, Fuzz, you definitely get an omen homage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Complete, complete with the, the music and everything. And that was the skewered scene. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Iconic. I think it's actually, is it David Warner that dies in that one? With the, uh, when in he the gets, omen? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And then there's also that scene in the omen where the dude gets decapitated through the car accident. Yep. Yeah. Did you get that kind of a feel yeah, with did. that one as well? Yeah, okay. I yeah. did. Yeah. I totally saw omen in it. I also That's, saw Final Destination in it. Yes. Yeah. And, and again, I had Very that visceral so. reaction when mm-hmm. that happened. That I it's was jarring. It You're was not expecting so, it. No, you weren't expecting it. Even though, even when you were expecting it, even when like <laughs> baby announces it, you're like, okay, that is going to do. You still yeah. don't expect the no. gravity. You don't expect the visual punch that it, yeah. yeah edgar wright loves him some gore yes he does and he, he has no problem killing off people that you're like oh that actor's definitely not gonna die and yeah. he's like no no yep. they're dead, dead. Mm-hmm. the uh the little kid showing up at the little cameos the little uh kevin spacey's nephew was oh, funny so as shit. Great. Yeah. Um, no, I just I had a lot of fun with it. The second time I watched it, I think it played a little bit better for me. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping I was hoping that uh, the cook was uh, Nick oh, Frost. So we talked about this. <laughs> um, were you upset that there were no Nick Frost or Simon Pegg any kind of cameos like that? No, no. And the reason for that is because of what he wanted this movie to be. This is the first full one hundred percent Edgar Wright film yeah he wrote it 100 percent without anybody um, backing him up and he completely directed it so it makes sense that you don't have any of those type of tertiary actors popping up because i think it would have kind of been distracting for what he was making and, and i think that's why it works because he was kind of like okay you've seen other stuff that i've done in conjunction with people right but but here's here's my baby if mm-hmm. you will yeah i i don't think you i'm i'm not upset that he didn't do it, but at the same time, it wouldn't have took me out. In fact, I would have been like, "Oh, it's good to have the whole gang back together." See, you know, I had it the w- exact opposite. I think it would have taken me out. Yeah, so. I see where it could have, but at the same time, you know, I love Nick Frost. And Simon <laughs> well, Pegg. and you know, he's and, never forgotten where he's come. From, right, yeah. but it still would have been like if he was the cook, like, "Oh, you got a phone call," you know, and that would have been that would have been <laughs> nice, even if they, that was just it, you know. Yeah. Well, there is actually a character when they do that initial kind of the the Edgar Wright shot of a baby going to get the coffee. Mm-hmm. There's a fly, there's a little hobo character i thought it was pierce bronson because it looked just <laughs> like him out of focus but i went to the imdb and i didn't see no. anything so i don't know if it's uncredited or anything but okay that, that walk that you were talking about i didn't notice it I, the first time because i was in the front row but the second time we're watching it that's when i noticed all the words behind them for that yeah for mm-hmm. that they're going along exactly in step with the song uh-huh. that, that's playing for that infusion into the world it was like watching i'm like Crap! That's how did I miss that yeah. the first time? And to me, if that's the point, if you don't, if you're not on board, you just you ain't probably, gonna get it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's why I told you guys basically. I, I said this is a movie that if you're not on board in the first five minutes, by the time that first action sequence is yeah. done, you're best walking out of it because yeah. the movie's just going to get bigger 
from there. Right. It's like, oh, I don't like found footage movies. Well, then you probably shouldn't see The Blair Witch. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you don't like things in time with beats and t- things that have music, you probably shouldn't see Baby Driver. And that's incredible. The music, uh, the, the editing on this, everything, the music, the words. Yeah. So that's a good a segue as ever. Uh, just final thoughts then on Baby Driver before we talk about some of our favorite soundtracks. Even with my complaints, I thoroughly, thoroughly fucking dug this movie and I really can't wait to go see it again. And... It might have to be a day of buy. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's a day of buy for me. It's in my top five favorite movies for this year so far. Definitely. No, and whether you, if you're in the Kansas City area, Screenland Armor, Alamo yeah. Draft House, check, check it, it out, out, support it. Uh, but music plays such, such a huge component in this film, as opposed to normally how they work with an Edgar Wright film. Yeah. It is it is the, the lifeblood of mm-hmm. this film. So we thought we'd talk about some of our favorite soundtracks, because the Baby Driver soundtrack is incredible. Phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it touches every spectrum you can imagine, mm-hmm. and good stuff too. It, it's it's going to sell, like like crazy. Oh, oh absolutely! And, oh, yeah. and, and not only that, but I also think, um, but because a, it's going to sell a lot because of just how much the movie's infused with it. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, there's a little certain device that I think that stock is going to to go <laughs> up in yeah. is is iPod classics yeah. because of the fact that there's um, it it. Plays a big part into the movie. Takes an incredibly big part of the movie. Huge, and the fact that so much that I I was looking online to try to to buy an iPod Classic, and my wife ended up saying, "Oh, I, I've got one that I haven't used for for years. Here you go." And I was just like, and I already put a whole bunch of albums on it just in the last day because I'm like, "Oh my God, I'm gonna I'm, I want to use it. I want to be able to carry that around." Partly mm-hmm. because. It, it's such a lifeblood of this movie, oh, too. Oh, I can't believe the fact that there's nostalgia for an a, an, an item that's not even all that old right. at this point. Nostalgia it's, for an iPod. And what's <laughs> strange enough now is this is the second film we've had that's come out this year that's referenced kind of not necessarily an out-of-date because the Zoom. Zoom, right. Yeah. Obviously yeah. way out of too, that, but yeah. this It's so weird that there's... it's. Again, weird nostalgia. I know. So, um, that being said, man, in terms of parameters for kind of the soundtracks we're talking about, we had to set up some parameters because yes. I came in like, what about musicals? You came in hot. <laughs> I, I had questions. I had questions. So we are saying a soundtrack itself cannot be a score. You know, and that is basically, you know, any composed film music specifically for, for the film. And so it can't be a musical either. So we'll go again for the correct. film. So yeah. Grease 2 will not be on this list. Nor the lure. There we go. Ooh, we'll check them out anyway because yes. they are really good. <laughs> yes. So um, we went ahead and said like five. So it's not necessarily for you guys. Maybe your top five. For me, it's not my top five. It's just the favorites. Right. Yes. Same here. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same here. So let's go ahead. We're going to let our guests start us off. So, uh, Adrian, what is one of your faves? Um, one of my faves it's for some people it might be kind of controversial uh, but i love the movie it doesn't get discussed enough and and, and another auteur uh, director of martin scorsese is bringing out the dead very underseen and uh, back when nick cage was still pretty serious and he wasn't going nick cage when he he was nicholas cage even even tom sizemore was it was a big get for the movie at the time right so So i don't really remember the soundtrack though it was a lot of 70s wasn't it it's got a mix of uh, of tons of stuff of course it opens with uh van morrison and uh tv sheets Mm -hmm. um got uh, of course janie jones is on there uh, you've got a bellboy by the who hmm. you've got in a connection with baby driver. You've got nowhere to run to. Uh, you've got too many fish in, uh, or yeah, too many fish in the sea. Good Lord. Uh, you've got, uh, you or sorry, uh, red, red wine. Um, Neil diamond or you'd be 40, a uh, you'd be 40. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember uh, REM. 
is is on there. Well, and you know, Scorsese does does it so well with his soundtracks in yeah. terms of music and so forth. In terms of it's it's infused in yeah. so many like as the because of course with bringing out the dead, you've got different drivers that he's with and different drivers. Different the, music, it, mm-hmm. yeah. Not only that, but with like the tone, so it keeps on shifting. But it's it, it's really well done. It's crazy. I'll like have to I love seek this that out again. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's that so actually good. works really well. So, uh, genius. How about one for you? Um, one of my absolute favorites. Um, I don't know what it is. It was just <laughs> so magical at the time. Things were shifting, genres are bending. <laughs> um, the Go soundtrack. It it was at that sweet spot where uh, e, uh, electronic music was just coming into play. A lot of yeah. it was during my like raving, going out, doing a lot of <laughs> e days. Oh, I fucked the shit out of some e. A lot of, uh, a lot of glow sticks. A lot of glow sticks. A lot of raving. A lot of shutting it down. A lot of like four fires. A lot of four and candy girls. <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of uh, four a.m. trips to. Um, to IHOPs and Waffle Houses. Oh, good but lord! The party Jeez. wouldn't stop, so we put on the Go soundtrack. Now, if you were to then put a soundtrack for that certain party, it probably still did the Go soundtrack. It's okay. probably still and and another one that I have. But um, yeah, it had uh, Fat Boy Slim, had like Steal My Sunshine, had No Ooh. Doubt on there, um, had all kinds of stuff. Uh, Eagle Eye Cherry and some like really just good like uh, good old fashioned uh, new techno. What I th- what I like new, is old new old, old new techno. <laughs> Back in my day, Back in, the techno the techno groups we, we would do to the the, the deck show when we dance all night long, not the 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 sausage parties that you guys have nowadays. <laughs> well, it's interesting that the fact that it is such a tie to a specific moment of your life, mm-hmm. yeah, and that it becomes kind of a sound because that's the other thing with the soundtracks is they have to ultimately be a good compilation, and, yeah, oh, yeah, and have ties. So I would say the reason I'm going to include this particular pick is to kind of plug a movie we're hosting here upcoming, <laughs> but because also it's a really good soundtrack. But uh, if you're in the Kansas City area on July 18th, man, yes. And speaking of one Walter uh, Hill, ah. Uh, uh, but can okay, just say, say it, and then I, I, I'll argue the parameters. Streets of Fire. Okay, what the, two songs or the the one song was it? Is is it written for or is it? Oh, I guess you're right. Because that's because, a, that's what I wanted to know. Oh for, no, you're right. Okay, because technically, so, there's the Dan Hartman song that yeah. everyone knows. I can dream about you, but, but it goes into. Um, what, what's it? What's yeah, it I guess because yeah. technically, yeah, because the opening Stein and uh, oh god. Um, um, yeah, nowhere. The fast. attackers. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's actually it, going it, nowhere, baby. Is it a variation? Well, because I, I, I haven't looked into. It. I, I, it's a blank spot. Was it written for the movie, or is it just a cover that they're doing? Technically, it is. Was, it was written, written for, for the movie, movie. Okay. so I guess we can't. I, I guess. I, yeah, I feel bad. That I feel no. bad. I feel okay. Thanks for. I guess, so, but uh, don't come up on July 18th, Adrian. Because right. you're not no. welcome. No, I, I you're will, going. You're going nowhere fast, Adrian. Hey. Hey, Godspeed. Tonight, it, tonight is what it means to be young. Jesus. Yeah, it does. <laughs> tonight hey, is if, what it means to be denied. Okay. If, if, you, if you disagree, then we can fight with sledgehammers. There we go. <laughs> there we go. While wearing like Lederhosen with Will, will I get my best. Ha, <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll substitute my pick then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll say it's I so, feel bad now. No, no, it's okay. No, because I got plenty more to go from. Uh, Return <laughs> of the Living Dead. Yes. Perfect. Absolutely awesome. Another connective tissue with Baby Driver with having the damned on the, the damned on, the on there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. At that's right. right. From all the good stuff there. Now, I'm going to go back to tell your streets of fire. <laughs> that is such... I mean, I know we had to drop it, but goddamn, that is such a good and epic song. It is amazing. It is really good. The Going Nowhere Fast by Fire Inc. 
It's so good. I don't. And, I, I don't know if we we mentioned this, but we, uh, Greg, you had that in one of your movie nights mm-hmm, recently, mm-hmm. and it was Genius's first mm-hmm. time watching it. Genius loved it so much that when the movie was done, oh, he we goes, can, "Can we watch the opening for for the people who came in partway through?" And I'm like, I, well, and I most never do that. Like, he just he wanted to see it so much, and he was singing along with the song <laughs> the, in the second time. So that's a testament to the soundtrack that we should almost yeah. let it in. Yeah. Well, that and also it's just a testament of that ex- having that experience seeing something and having that so moment good. it just hits such a sweet spot and speaking of that since we're, we're discounting songs for made for the movie <laughs> i have to bring up this one too since we're discounting them uh oh. the visitor oh yeah the Ooh. theme from the visitor even <laughs> though that was made just makes everything grander so good so good so since i just had to throw that out as honorable exclusions <laughs> that's okay well so back to uh, adrian what is your name okay i'm gonna go for a big sprawling one uh don't have all the songs off offhand but gross point blank oh yeah mm. it's it's a it's a movie that had so many songs that were in it that they put out two volumes of it and that's always a testament to a film they had mm-hmm. they used the uh, specials cover of pressure drop which of i course. appreciated absolutely yeah uh, mirror you in gotta the bathroom. love the specials mirror in the bathroom now here's the the thing for me with a good soundtrack though mm-hmm. is kind of like with return of the living dead when you throw on a certain song i know go exactly to what scene it's associated yes. with mm-hmm. mirror in the bathroom for me is when they're like getting rid of the body yeah uh right the when fight. the fight with <laughs> benny the jet ukitas come yep. on that's uh, it's a glory kind of not alternative '90s, but kind of a rude boy '90s. Just but yeah, the, and there's so the much clash exactly. Yeah, everything just it, and it infuses itself. But Baby Driver is that same way. Where yeah. there's for the moment that I saw it from like months later, having the opening song of Bell Bottoms mm-hmm. be stuck in my mm-hmm. head. But all I could think of is just everything that's yeah. happening with it. And I've heard the song like several times with and I have to stop because I'm just I'm visualizing that you're ready to go and do a little baby mm-hmm. driving. Exactly. No, that's a it's a really good pick and uh, it's that's a great movie too. Oh, it's so good. Saw that in the so. theater. All right, genius. Next pick. It's been a well-established fact on the podcast that Greg <laughs> is a huge metalhead, um, and I am definitely more hip-hop, more mm-hmm. rap. So it goes without saying that one of my absolute favorite soundtracks mm-hmm. is for one of my absolute favorite hip-hop movies, okay. and that's Friday. Ooh. I love this movie so much, and I love the soundtrack. I just remember buying it and putting it on my CD player and like listening to Big Booty Hole, somebody, doom, 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 boom, boom, just... Like keep your head ringing, uh, fucking Mary Jane by um, uh, Rick Rick James, ha <laughs> ha, just like such a good soundtrack, and it's to one of those things that I can put it on to this day mm-hmm. and still just fucking bob my head and rock out to it. Did it include any of the uh, the, the bits, anything from the movie? It didn't. Oh, that's a didn't. bummer. There was no like you know spoken words, right. no Bafali show or uh, Smokey, you playing with my emotions or none of <laughs> you got night the fuck out. It was just music, which is weird because like in a lot of the hip hop uh, CDs, have you'd have the little sketches, sketches and yep. things like that. But the fact that this didn't have one, it, I don't know. It would maybe also take out for the fat beats of it. There you go. Especially because every song on this CD is just a headbanger. I mean, just rolling down with the wind rolling in your six foe you know just and likes like cypress hill man perfect for lighting up smoke it up inhale exhale <laughs> on there too this is a great soundtrack it's a perfect summer 
fun time party soundtrack. That and works. That works really well. I, I guess in terms of, I'm going to, the one I was going to put next, I'm going to say for the next round because I want to contrast. <laughs> uh, I am a very much a, a heavy metal horror fan. And so it's not a surprise that one of my favorites actually is because I don't know if we're technically, if it was made for the movie or this or that, but I'm going to go ahead and include it. Uh, the soundtrack for Rocktober Blood, <laughs> which uh, is in and of itself not a really <coughs> good uh, horror movie. Yeah. It's one of those that you could, you know, maybe edit it down to an 80 minute flick and it'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. But the the soundtrack is phenomenal because the backing band, uh, I saw this at the Alamo on one of their VHS nights. Um, and I was like, because the, the cover is iconic. It's yeah. got the scary mask, the I'm knife. Sure and I'm sure the poster on Yeah, we do. Right yeah, now. I do have yeah. the poster over there. Uh, but the backing band, it was very familiar because I was like, God, where do I know them from? And the music itself is really good. Like yeah. there's some true hardcore good up-tempo metal pieces there's the um the she's got rainbow eyes like the little uh the ballad but it's a uh, sorcery who is the band from stunt rock <laughs> yeah which we actually did as a double feature with streets of fire. fire so it all comes around but no it's uh it's a really good like if you like 80s metal check it out rocktober blood it's available on vinyl now and that's how i picked it up and i'm glad i have it so uh adrian next pick Okay, I'm going to um, go. It, it was funny that you were asking about skits and everything being let in because I'm going to go with Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Mm, Bad country. <laughs> exactly. I, almost every single track on the album has an unskippable part from the movie. It has a little quote I, from wherever it is mm. in the movie, maybe musical interlude, and then jumps into it. But I mean, you've got Big Brother and the Holding Company, you've got Brewer and Shipley, Tom Jones, The Yardbirds, Jefferson Airplane. Um, uh, the Young Bloods, Three Dog Night, Bob Dylan, Booker T and the MGs, Perry Como, Jesus Christ, Debbie Reynolds, Buffalo Springsteen, Dead uh, Kennedys. So that wow. yeah, that's a, wow. one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. So so the fact that that it's you you've got eclectic. all this in there, and then you also have those pieces of the movie implanted in, so you can relive and and feel those scenes in there. It's just it doesn't get better. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Again, that one I think makes sense. Also including that stuff in there yeah. with the music. I'm going to have to check that out. That's a good lineup. That is a good lineup. That's really fucking good. So from Friday, where are you going from Friday, genius? <laughs> I'm going to bring it back all up around, and I'm going to say the Shaun of the Dead soundtrack. Ooh. Such a good soundtrack. Yes. Had a little bit of Goblin on it. Mm-hmm. Had um, not Goblin the Gonk on it. It had uh, one of my favorites, Eye Monster, which is kind of like trip hop. Mm-hmm. I love trip hop music. It's electro. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't scratch it. <laughs> and that had a little uh, skits. It's four in the fucking morning. It's Saturday. No, it's not. It's fucking Sunday. And I got to go to go fucking work in four fucking hours because every year the fucking apartment and all my is fucking ill. Now, do you see why I'm so fucking angry? Fuck yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and it goes straight to hip hop. Don't stop. So it? it's it's got the Queen songs on there. Yeah. It's got the mm. specials on mm-hmm. there, which I down. have to say. The world needs more ska and reggae in the, in their world. I so, think. so we're going back to mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. <laughs> pick it up. Right. Pick it up. 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 I mean, such good stuff. I mean, that is really good. Yeah, and funny little Thanks. skits in between. Yep. So I think Sound of the Dead. 
just to bring it back to Edgar Wright, was just a really solid, solid soundtrack. I like that. So uh, my next track is actually inspired from our <laughs> friend uh, Patrick Bromley over at This Movie. Uh, every June they do June exploitation, uh-huh. in which case every single day of June is designated as a certain genre, so you can then watch a film within that genre. Oh my God! Uh, I mean, so there's great. all sorts of crazy stuff. Well, one of the days they did a Sybil Danning Day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh man! Love the fact that they devote an Sybil entire Danning day. To Civil Danning. And so Love I decided to go off, off kilter and I went with a film that, number one, I had that was available, but also surprisingly features no nudity from Civil <laughs> <Ms. Civil> Danning. <laughs> now, I say no nudity from her because this film is filled with plenty, uh, but the soundtrack is what really surprised me. And I am talking about Reform School Girls. <laughs> and, Pat Ast. Oh, with Pat Ast. <laughs> well, not only Pat Ast, but uh, Wendy O. Williams from Arr. The Cosmatics is all over <laughs> this soundtrack. And there are three main standouts for me that are just awesome, which number one is the title track. Mm-hmm. Reform School Girls. You know, fantastic. Uh, the My Life song, which is at the very end. It's my life. And I'll do. So it's great punk rock. You got the Edit James. So young. So bad. So what? But to me, the find of this uh, soundtrack is, again, I'm a metalhead, and there is a track called uh, Going Wild, which you hear maybe 10 seconds of it in the initial riot scene. Mm -hmm. But my God, it is such an awesome, like, uh, new wave of British heavy metal song in terms of the structure like it was sounded like an iron maiden song to me and so i'm listening along just so you're arrogant. all oh about my it god are you kidding <laughs> and i've forgotten how good that soundtrack is based on that so that was a nice surprise but nice. i just found it on vinyl which is phenomenal oh, so yeah beautiful. reform school girls good stuff okay I'm, I'm gonna go off book here and that's because i'm gonna have a i there's one that's genius has on there that I'm that I'm not <laughs> Look at that, your, I, that I'm not, not going to take. Uh, but if he doesn't end up mentioning it, then it's one that I think we should give a special uh, mention to. Mm-hmm. And then I I've, I've got a five second one that I'm going to do after it. So I'm I'm going to do kind of like what you did, and I'm actually going to choose uh, the world's end. Nice. The, the world's end has a it's got Primal Scream, Blur, um, Suede, um, Teenage Fan Club, The Stone Roses. Uh, the doors, of course, the great. They've got a part where they're walking from one bar to another, and they've got um, uh, take me away or show me the way to the next whiskey, whiskey bar. And it's matching up to to as they're walking down the street and everything, and it's it's just so good. Sisters of Mercy, of course, because it ties in with with this outfit, and it's 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 great. I mean, we could easily just put every single Edgar Wright Ed, film. Wright yeah, on there, such so. a good sound. He's He's got a good eye and a good ear. Um, I don't know if you're going to take it. So, so now I feel bad if no, if I, if, if I, went, if no, I no, went no. off book. No, and, and now no, no, no. If I went off book and the one that I thought you were going to choose, you're now not going to mention. <laughs> no, no. Um, actually, I was. I got a whole that one. No, I'm not. I'm not going to mention that one. I'm not going to mention that one. I was going to do that one of our honorable mentions, but if okay. you if you take it, that's cool. Um, okay, so two. Okay, I was really trying to debate because I have to put a Tarantino movie on here. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good I, point. I didn't know whether to do the cult classic Pulp Fiction because oh. that is so instantaneously yeah. wonderful, memorable, got the skits. Yeah. Then I was like, well, better actually better than Pulp Fiction is Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. And so yes. and then I wanted to go Reservoir Dogs and like can't believe Super Sons and Seventy Percent Queen Myth. But then I remembered that there was one that I liked even better than the Reservoir Dogs one. Well, not that the Reservoir Dogs one was great because I love Stuck in the Middle with You. Yeah. 
but there was something magical and there's something memorable about the From Dusk Till Dawn soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) I did. (laughs) One, the fact that Cheech is whole, pussy, 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 come on in, pussy lovers. That whole speech is on there. The fact Uh. that... um, uh, Tito and Tarantula is on there. Willie the Wimp and his Cadillac Coffin is on there. It's got such good songs. It's got Bring It On, Sex Machine. And it's got um, <laughs> Tito and Tarantula's Cucarachas and Ojadas, which is one of the best jams. Great. So yes. good. So good. And if I, every time I hear oh, After Dark, oh God. that whole guitar riff, I'm instantly just Salma High just pops in. I get this warm feeling all over. <laughs> and I can't. So knew you were going. I need to step away for a second. I is I that's on my giggity mix. I got a giggity. I got a giggity mix, and that song is on there. And so it's just like so iconic to me. I I, I don't get me wrong. I love the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. I love the Reservoir Dog soundtrack. Those are my two my my favorites. If I had to just like take, take top favorites, but there's something magical. About the From Dusk Till Dawn yeah. soundtrack. I'm, I'm just glad that it's on the Giggity Mix and not the Giggity Goo Mix. The Giggity Goo. No, the Giggity Goo Mix follows right after. Because <laughs> the Giggity Mix. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's on the Giggity Mix. And also, I do remember the first time seeing that movie, and all of those moments were definitely to yeah. keep me in with that. Yeah. 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 Uh, so to stay with the Edgar Wright theme here, I'm going to do, a, I guess, a more <coughs> controversial pick here. Oh. Because if you watch Shaun of the Dead, it is one of the projectiles that is uh, hoisted upon the zombies. <laughs> but, man... I like the Batman soundtrack. And again, probably goes against the rules of this uh, little thing, but fuck it. I'm going to say, you know, this one works because honestly, there are really three tracks on here that I can go to at any time Mm -hmm. that make me feel good. Uh, But Party Man. (laughs) Party Man. You know, Lawrence. Gentlemen, let's broaden their minds. Lawrence. You want to stroll through a museum Mm -hmm. and culture yourself. Oh, most definitely. Uh, Trust is a really good jam. (gasps) Money, money, money. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? And where is the Batman? He's at home washing his tights. (laughs) And then ultimately, of course, Bat Dance, which I have a really weird response to Bat Dance. Because back Uh in the day when MTV still made music videos, they did this whole thing with the Batman um, the soundtrack where they you were going to the Batmobile yes yep. and they were going to premiere the Bat Dance video and I watched MTV from 8 in the morning to probably about like 4.30 or whenever they played it man and I tried so goddamn mm-hmm. hard Missed I wanted it. to win the Batmobile too. Fuck yeah, I wanted. To, I couldn't when, even drive it. I would still want to win it. But when they threw that as a projectile, I was a little upset. So yes. I got to give it some love, and we are looking at it no, right that's, here. That, so. That's fine. I was going to say you got the full album. I, I've got the cider variation where I actually it, have the Bat Dance oh, the, single awesome. on on vinyl. Even better. Even better. More bonus points for that. Are you kidding? Bat so Adrian, dance. another one for you. It's it's not one, but I was going to say if we're give, giving a special shout out, we can tack this on and we, we might as well bring reference since it, it technically doesn't count as well, but we have to, if we're going to mention Prince, you got to bring up Purple, Purple Rain. Purple Rain, of course. You, you, you have to. So that, I just wanted to mention that for, yeah. for Just for his royal seconds. purpleness anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you you can't know, even Under the, the Cherry Moon, you know. I liked Under the Cherry Moon with fucking uh, Tevin Campbell, Round yes. and Round. That was yep. a good song. Yes. It's not bad. It's not bad. Um, I see. And let's do, I say, let's do make our next picks the last picks on this one. Okay. Because um, I think we've all hit five. Yes. The, the, this one's just a special mention because uh, it's... I'm interested to see what everybody thinks about this movie because it comes out this month, end of this month, the 28th. Um, it's kind of a weird companion piece to Baby Driver. 
And in my eyes, when I saw it, I liked it a little bit less than I hoped I was going to because mm-hmm. I'd seen Baby Driver. But that's Atomic Blonde. Okay. Because Atomic Blonde's soundtrack is basically the greatest hits of the late 80s. Interesting. It, 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 if it's, you know, um, uh, what's it called? 99 Love Balloons. If it's, yeah, it's it, got like a Depeche Mode on exactly. there. It's, got, oh, that's right, it's yeah. got every single thing that you can, you can think ballet. of. And there's a couple times where it's not infusing the same way that it does with Baby Driver, but it's very much a large soundtrack that backs everything. It might not be in time with it, but it's it's there. It's all over the place. And while lots of the choices are obvious, that doesn't lessen it any much. It, sure. It, mm-hmm. it, there's nothing wrong with having the greatest hits of the 80s. And at the same time, if that's what you got in your, your, your music for your soundtrack, it's a pretty good company to be in. And then yeah. also, eventually, you're going to have the context for which the film is pre- or the, the song is presented in, which exactly. can then add a different level of meaning when you exactly. hear it. So, yeah, definitely adds to it. I like that. I'll have to check that one out. Genius. <laughs> um, honorable mention... I gotta say, the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One and Two; those yes. are so good, and the music is so important yeah. to is. those two it movies, is. almost to the almost to Edgar Wright levels. Yeah. Not quite, because you know you don't have but Baby Groot running around in time <laughs> fighting <laughs> villains through the whole movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, but, but those, James Gunn definitely comes from that school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so that's I have to shout out them, but. <clears throat> no, I was gonna I was gonna mention for that that it was actually good because I had this moment that speaks to how great a soundtrack is for the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is that I was um, driving to I can't remember it was some movie to, to watch with you guys in, in like the last week and a half and all of a sudden Brandy came on in, in my head not on the radio or anything came in my head but it wasn't the actual song was it Kurt Russell it was Kurt it? Russell re- reciting it and doing Brandy you're a fine girl. What a fine wife you would be. But my life, my my love, my my lady, is is the the sea. And and that's what played in my head. And it's like, that's how you know that you've done a good job with the soundtrack. That you're remembering the song, but then you remember the importance Mm. of it in the film. With the same thing with Suck in the Middle with You. I can't hear this song without wanting to cut somebody's ear off or light them on fire. You know, do do the little strut. Yeah, or like it was a teenage wedding and the old folks switched Right? It's pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. So... Okay, for my last pick, uh, also special shout out to the Austin Power soundtrack. The first one, I fucking loved that one. Um, but this one was probably one of my first soundtracks that I bought I hope on a I, cassette. I, on there. It, it, I bought it on a cassette, and I used to cut grass, and I would listen to it, and I would just keep I, I would listen to it all the time and it was my first intro into a lot of different types of genres and a lot of different things and it was such a bug fuckery of a good movie one of, I love this movie <laughs> but nobody else likes it nobody else likes the soundtrack nobody else even barely hears this movie okay, but no it was a Kim Basinger yes Gabriel Byrne movie where yes. Kim Basinger played half the movie as a cartoon I'm oh, talking Jesus about Christ. cool world it had it had David Bowie on there. It had Brian Eno on there. It had My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult on there. It had so many. It was one of my first experiences into techno. One of my first okay. experiences That's... into David Bowie. One of my first experiences mm-hmm. into 
all these different types of genres. It's like a gateway soundtrack. It really, oh, yeah, it's it really, really it's was great. a gateway soundtrack because I was maybe about 10, 12 years old when this movie came mm-hmm. out. And so, and I watched it, loved it, bought the soundtrack, and I would go and cut grass for two summers <laughs> with that yeah. on constant repeat. Dude, that's a good jam and a track to mm-hmm. have. It's a crazy movie. It's a crazy batshit movie, but it's so fucking good. I didn't I, even think about the soundtrack to yeah. that being mm-hmm. so monumental. So, sex on wheels. And then, like, uh, Let's see, Papua New Guinea. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, the 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 main theme, "Real Cool World" by David Bowie, is a very underrated Bowie song. Huh. It's got all the good earmarks of a good Bowie yeah. song. So okay, does it doesn't doesn't uh, Brad Pitt? Yes, correct. In in the movie, oh, yes, yeah. yes. yes. Uh-huh. And, but doesn't I can't remember what song. But he's got a, a song that's kind of like his intro music when he yeah, first appears like in the movie. Yeah, it's like forties. It's like forties noir. Yeah. Wow, 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 but, it, but it's so great. It like works. that's one of those moments it that works. I remember from the movie because mm-hmm. you're just like. Oh, and that's great. Uh, and Kim Basinger's cartoon, dirty cartoon, <laughs> uh, intro, that's on there. Is and, it? yeah, it's a really good soundtrack. I'll have to seek that out. I didn't even give that one a second yeah. or third thought. That's probably that's a, one of my old-time, all-school favorite sentimental soundtracks. That makes sense. I I'm give glad. that a giant round of applause. That's I know you did actually quite choice. literally. That was that's a, a great choice, man. That's a, that's a deep cut that you're not expecting. So. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the visceral reaction too. It's like that was legit. Um, a couple of honorable mentions for me. Uh, the Crow <laughs> soundtrack. Such a good soundtrack. To run in my cars. And the uh, Judgment Night soundtrack. Oh. Which is a Judgment lot of fun. Um, Walter Hill. But for me, another one that Wait, um, Judgment Night was that one? That was no, one. Judgment no. Night Trespass. Trespass. Was okay, okay. Uh, but one that I play listening. yearly for the most part, and if I don't, it's because <laughs> unfortunately it's because it's not snowing. But there's every time we get first snow here in Kansas City, I have to play this. Hearts on fire. Yeah, the Rocky Forest on desire. Oh my burning god. deep within. Oh my god, the burning heart. Um, the, there's no easy way out. I mean, every song on there, man, works. It's uh, it just makes you want to run. Yeah. It makes you want to train. It makes you want to fight the commies. It makes you want to stop <laughs> and even, cease the Cold War. Even, even the score itself. Yeah. Like because they, they okay because there's, there's bits they, and pieces uh, in what there. What is man. it? A- after directly after Hearts on Fire, it goes to the second part which of montage? that montage uh, of that. <laughs> But the that's driving what, look, montage, I believe. Yeah, it's just, it's just a, no, 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 because it's because Hearts on Fire is later, and it's when he's uh, training oh, in the, in the snow. Rush, yes, but it goes straight from that into another because he starts out, he's outside for Hearts on Fire, and then it breaks away and he goes inside, and he's uh, he's lifting everything, and they've and got the the score that that's yep. going on with it. That's the it's the eighties rock score. You got to dun dun, and they're intercutting it with uh, um, Dolph Lundgren. Running around Technology the track and, and just shit. punching. You got you got to train twice as hard when you're fighting the commies. Yes, yeah, you do. And uh, perse- perseverance holds off, man. So mm-hmm. yeah, Rocky Four, fantastic. So, so obviously, a lot of these guys. Make sure you're checking out. Um, and if you, <laughs> and what did we miss? What are some of your favorites? Uh, hit us up on Facebook, over on uh, Twitter as well. Uh, Adrian, thank you so much for taking yeah, the time absolutely. out, man. This, uh, believe me, when this was originally supposed to be just two episodes, it definitely grew into something more. So thanks again for taking the time th- th- out on that. Thank you for for having me. Of I'm, course, I love this uh, Baby Driver. I love. Edgar Wright films. Yeah. I love the soundtrack, so this was absolutely perfect for me. And so uh, make sure, uh, guys, check out uh, the Phantom Zone podcast. Uh, it's always <laughs> a good time. Uh, Godfrey Ho, 
God help him and all the stuff that you do. Uh, it's phenomenal. So, uh, Genius, thanks again, man. Not a problem, dude. Uh, so, I guess until next time, guys, uh, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. Reminding you it's never too late to get nerdy about nostalgia, and we will indeed see you in your dreams. 